0: Welcome to the official podcast of Forturnia.com. We have the power. I'm your host, AJ, aka Voodoo Magic, aka Zor. And today's episode is titled A Fellowship Formed. A line spoken by Skeletor in Masters of the Universe Revelation episode Cleaved in Twain that perhaps best encapsulates the two guests we have here today. Because thanks to these very amazing directors, we not only have two new animated seasons of our favorite heroic and evil warriors to watch 40 plus years since the property was originally invented. But we also have, without the doubt, the finest, most spectacularly directed seven hours of Masters of the Universe content to date. Yes, they are Motus Martin Scorsese and James Cameron, directors of Masters of the Universe Revelation and Revolution, Adam Conroe and Patrick Stannard. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. That's a hell
1: of an intro. (laughs) Goddamn.
0: And it's true. I mean, look at, well, we'll get to that, but I'm I'm just so excited to have you guys on. But first I must just genuinely uh, compliment on Adam rocking that amazing vintage, like handlebar mustache.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes.
3: Yeah. uh, That was uh, an experiment that was born partially out of the pandemic when everybody was experimenting with facial hair But uh, now it's just part of the brand.
0: (laughs) I loved it. Actually, have you guys seen, um, um, I don't know if you've seen the Masterverse figures that aren't Revelation or Revolution, but there was a, um, actually I have it here. There was a new Eternia uh, man-in-arms figure that has this, like, I'm completely enamored with them um you yeah. know and he has this like uh old-timey classic feel and he's also sporting what kind of looks like to be like this handlebar mustache yeah you know
1: it looks like a version <laughs> you would see as like a 60s or 70s like fantasy artwork yeah, with, like, the yeah cover of a book or something
0: uh, it's really so well done um you know and so speaking of figures guys i mean have Have either of you gone down that action figure rabbit hole? Maybe not as bad as I have. (laughs) But, you know, considering the nature of your work, have either of you, like, collected some Revelation or Revolution Masterverse figures?
1: I mean, yeah, we've got quite a few (laughs) uh, behind me here. Of course, we've got uh, a lot of the ones from our show. But we do have uh, some uh, vintage style uh, He-Man and Skeletors. I've got... I think this one is a... Oh, this isn't Terror Claws. This is... What is this one? Is this Terra Claws? You can tell me. I think so. He's got the bat on his y- chest.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay,
1: he just doesn't have the Terror Claws with him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he's got the chest. <laughs> so we've, Yeah. So we've, we've got quite a few. Uh, I was surprised when our show came out at how reasonably priced those figures were when mm-hmm. they came out. For something that was like, like a six-inch figure, and I think when they came out, it was like, what, 20? About 20 bucks?
0: Yeah, I think when you're talking about the Massiverse figures. For, yeah. Yeah. So when they launched that line and was all like that first wave was Masters of the Universe Revelation figures. I think the actual price was 19 99 It was June yeah, right. June 2021 and um, they had the Battle Cat. They had, they had the He-Man and I was oh, yeah. so shocked that they actually... I spoiled... love this boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is This is one
1: of our like in terms of like, like for me, like like figures from our show, this is one of the, the ones I have the most pride in. The fact that like, I mean, like not pride for me, but like pride for like just like the range in general because it's the I think it's the first one where if you take the helmet off, it looks like Cringer. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's also so huge, cool. which is like what Battle Cat should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Battle Cats also just one of my
3: favorite characters in general. So, way oh, yeah. for it uh, was one of the first ones I acquired. <laughs>
0: You know, I was so happy, and I know we're jumping ahead. That's okay. Well, I was so happy that um, that Battlecat actually spoke this time around, because I know in yeah. Masters of the Universe Revelation he didn't speak, and it was being billed as that um, spiritual sequel to the classic series. And in the classic series, Battlecat spoke, and I was like, "Oh no, you, you didn't <laughs> say a word!" But I was so excited that he did. Granted, it was only what a line or two. It yeah
3: but, uh steven Roode, he just he knocked it out of the park didn't he yeah it's, yeah
1: it's like that classic like superman clark kent where it was all about you know obviously it was just his voice but like the body language that he kind of like put into his voice mm-hmm. um where Battlecat, is he's always kind of like, or, or cringers like he's a little bit unsure he's always kind of like second guessing himself and when he tried the lines as Battlecat, he just did it with this confidence and yeah. so without really needing to do any sort of, like, voice modulation or anything, like, he just nailed uh, Battle Cat's voice. And, you yeah, know, super impressive.
0: Did you guys at all, well, if we finish up with the figures, did you guys splurge at all at the um, the big Mondo Skeletor, the uh, six Scale? Oh, God, people? I wish. <laughs> uh, I think uh, producer Ted Biaselli has it in his office. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, better. I mean, like so yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's so I'm so good envious. Look at,
1: look at the. I love that they did like the cell shading on it too.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can even see like in the hood that cell shading going on, and then on the cape, and it's it's so brilliantly done. And uh, uh, you know, there's supposed to be another one coming. So, um, yeah. in the Revelation Revolution, you know, I, I'm not sure. I assume it's He-Man. Like, if you're going to do another one, right? Skeletor needs He-Man, but. We'll see what it is, but um, they haven't announced it yet, other than announcing another one is coming, so I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what it is. Um, so oh, you did, did you guys get motherboard? We have oh, to, uh, yeah, uh,
1: she's right here, uh, yeah, you both have one. Yeah. Motherboard. Oh, right behind you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: and I see it there too. <laughs> that's right. All right, you know what? I really didn't pay attention to what's behind you guys. Okay, you guys must feel prideful on that one because you all had a hand in like creating a, a new character, right? For Masters of the Universe.
3: Oh yeah, like the, the design was based on uh, a really talent. Uh, it was done by a really talented artist, uh, Jung Ha Kim, uh, who just knocked it out of the park. And we got to unveil it uh, last season, but we only saw it from the front. So a fun challenge uh, this season is like, well, what does she look like from the back? how are we going to figure out how to what you do with those wings all the time oh yeah <laughs> so pretty early on we realized like let's let's have those wings collapse so they're not always on camera
1: i think so, uh i wonder if it's it might be mentioned in the the art book but like when we were first designing motherboard i think like words that we were throwing around was things like giant demon goddess lady gaga like with a techno <laughs> player and yeah jung ha just took that and I mean, you can, if, if yeah, take a look in the art book and you'll see some of the, I believe, some of the other designs that Jung Ha did. And every one of them is so just outlandish and, and bigger than life and so fun uh, to look at. It was hard, hard to, hard to land on one design for motherboard.
0: And, and they really did a nice job executing that figure. I mean, it, oh, yeah, the, the wings articulate. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> And the backdrop that comes with it is yes. the fact
1: the box closes and it makes the giant Screech statue is so good.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, usually there's a lot of collectors that save the packaging, but this was really worth it. I mean, this sort of became, you know, the diorama and it was Screech, right? That opens mm-hmm. up to become motherboard and it was so well done. And, and for such a low price point, I think it was $65 US. Yeah, And uh, incredible price point. So, yeah, I just love that figure. All right. So I am excited to have you both on because Adam and Patrick are really the unsung heroes of Masters of the Universe, Revelation and Revolution. You know, in that promotional limelight so far, we only had the show's terrific uh, executive producers, Kevin Smith, Ted B. Selly, and Rob David. Um, and Kevin calls them the uh, three towers of Paternia. Now we know there were four, but the <laughs> uh, three towers, but you both perhaps we should be calling you the two halves of the power sword, you know, <laughs> because uh, you both directed all 15 episodes. I mean, all 10 from Masters of the Universe Revelation, all mm-hmm. five from Masters of the Universe Revolution. Yet with that impressive resume it still feels like both uh, both of you have remained you know behind the curtain so to speak so <laughs> well, per-
1: to, to that point um yeah. there's an additional uh, episode director to keep in mind called abby bullock um and abby did an amazing job uh on episodes two and four of revolution <sighs> Okay. Yes. So, like, while we were kind of like the the two series directors for Revolution, uh, Abby came in to help us with the even numbered episodes as an episode director. Okay. Great.
3: Well, your your analogy about the the Patrick and I being the two halves of the power sword may be apt, but uh, keeping with that analogy, you know, the real champions, the real spark comes from like (laughs) the team of talented artists that that are we're working with that are really bringing you know their A game and the magic to the show or in the case of revolution, magic and technology
0: hmm. well so re- regarding that that limelight i mean is it something that you 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 both normally prefer to stay out of the spotlight or is this just how it usually goes with these type of productions that
3: uh, i mean like this is more a personal preference than anything else but i'm not huge and very active on social media like i am happiest when i am working on a show like the act of Directing is very rewarding. And so it's great that people love the show. It makes it so worthwhile. Uh, But even if people didn't like the show, we had a lot of fun making it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, like I I consider myself a craftsman. Um, Mm -hmm. And so my first and foremost uh, passion and interest is going to be uh, the creation of something um, and you know as long as there's eyeballs on the the final product like I'm happy about that and with like my mm. own name being out there like I'm sure anybody who has grown up with the internet knows that there's good things and there's not good things about <laughs> having your name out there and so i I like to uh, uh I don't mind it I don't I don't seek I suppose uh, uh, all the, the the limelight as it were yeah
0: yeah <laughs> I, I can see your point yeah <laughs> you know, especially, uh, well, uh, it was it got a little heated for Kevin, uh, the first time around, and maybe we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, all right, so then in the topic of promotion, and you guys, then sort of being behind the scenes, were you both still involved with creating those epic trailers for Masters of the Universe, Revelation and Revolution?
3: Uh, no, we weren't actively involved in any of the marketing efforts. Uh, okay. Although we were very big fans of <laughs> what they produced, like uh, all all three trailers for the three parts have been you know phenomenal. Uh, but this most recent one for Revolution, the you know Karate Kid you know <laughs> soundtrack in there, like that was just chef's
0: kiss, perfect. Yeah, do you know who like selects that? I mean, we, we had Bonnie Tyler's uh, "Holding Out for a Hero" the first time around. Mm-hmm. And then um, You're the Best, right? From mm-hmm. uh, Joey Esposito, which was just fantastic. You're right, a Chef's Kiss. So so if it's not, you guys, do you know who's making those magnificent selections? Some wonderful person above us, I'm sure. <laughs> Someone <laughs>
1: over at Netflix, I imagine, I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, Someone cool.
0: doing the good work. Yeah. So it's not coming over at Powerhouse then, it's being done at Netflix.
1: Powerhouse did not create those trailers, no.
0: Oh, okay, I see. See, I didn't, I I always just assumed that was like part of the package, you know, and and understand that I'm not in this industry, so this is just, I, I'm clueless. But I always thought like, you know, maybe you when you order a show and you, and you, you trailers come with it, like, you know, okay, you get the show and you get two trailers and something like that. But I guess that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I'm, it's not unheard of. Uh, so it's like, it's not like something that can never happen. Um, but in terms of like any show getting a trailer, like I, you know, depends on what contract you sign. Mm.
0: Okay. So masters of the universe revolution is, um, streaming on Netflix right now. And I know you both lived and breathed the show all through production for a couple of years and you probably know every minute of it by heart, but does, (laughs) but does the people at powerhouse, do anything to like, you know, celebrate its release? Like, is there some sort of um, premiere party? Or, or do you head, head over to like, executive Ted Biaselli's house? And (laughs) and have a watch party? I mean, does anything like that happen? Uh, On the first
3: season, uh, Teddy was kind enough to invite us to a a little uh, cast wrap party um, at his place where we got to see his like, incredible toy chamber you
2: know like oh yeah uh,
3: yeah i mean you look like you're doing pretty good you might
0: be rivaling him <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> i bow down to teddy you know he plans on opening a um, a uh, toy store one day when he retires oh you know, yeah right? I, I, toy I, museum. I buy the ticket
1: <laughs> <museum>. oh okay
0: <laughs> yeah not toy store toy museum and uh it's just ah No, he, he, yeah, he puts me to shame. But uh, so you went to that watch party? That was So so that that
3: was really great. Um, And then I think for this most recent season, we did a, like a powerhouse uh, cast or a a crew screening uh, on -hmm. the big screen um, at a local theater, uh, which is the best way to watch the show, in my opinion. Oh yeah. There's no wrong way to watch it. They really like Uh, ramped up the speakers.
1: We had like a little uh, gray skull. What are they called? Uh, Those, those like panels that you can make?
0: Oh, oh just like the backdrops
1: backdrop yeah so we uh, had like a like a Grayskull backdrop people could get in front of it take pictures uh, uh, that was a lot of fun
0: mm-hmm. you know what and Masters of the Universe Revolution is that perfect like movie length to have that mm-hmm. in a theater you know yeah yeah
3: like um powerhouse does something similar for you know when uh, any of the other shows are being released but usually they have to like you know only show the first few episodes because you know mm. uh you can only sit in the theater for so long but ours was so easily digestible. And it, it really just was like watching a movie.
0: Hmm. Oh, that must've been so fun. Does that take place down in uh, Texas?
3: Yeah, we did it in Austin.
2: Uh,
0: hmm. Does anyone end up, you could tell me, does anyone end up dressing up like He-Man or Skeletor? <laughs> <laughs> anyone cosplay from Powerhouse, you know, really get into it?
1: Do we have any cosplayers this time around?
3: I don't think there were any the second time around.
1: I think we had the usual but like, I know there were
3: definitely some Halloween costumes along the way. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah definitely a couple of those and I know that like the, the you, we were all kind of mainly wearing the usual uh, industry fair of like blazer with like a t-shirt <laughs> and
0: jeans. <laughs> Did you guys end up picking up uh, we didn't have it. You know, we didn't have a lot of merchandise with Masters of the Universe re- uh, Revolution, but there was a lot of merchandise with uh, Revelations. Did you end up picking up those jackets? Do you know what I'm talking about? There. Are... Oh, I don't think I got the
1: jackets. No, we. I kind of kept it to toys myself.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got a couple of them there. Um, actually, there was so much merchandise back then. Like there was uh, cereal. I don't know if you guys. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We
1: up here. We have. We actually had them framed. The, uh, ah. the cardboard boxes flattened and framed.
0: Uh, Eternian Crunch, right? And then I forget what Skellogod is.
1: Uh, God Crunch. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I have them. Um, I have the same boxes, but I have them with the cereal inside and they're wrapped in plastic. Oh. And I'm just hoping. Did you get the little
1: toys as well? I've got like the, the tiniest little battle cap in a box up there.
0: Uh, well, I never opened them, so I don't know, you know, oh, what's inside. Well,
1: I'll give you a preview. Okay. I mean, yeah. So, Oh, his little helmet came off. But anyways, if I put real close.
0: Oh, look at that. It's
1: like the world's smallest battle cat. That is
0: awesome. Battle kitten,
1: I guess. <laughs> battle
0: kitten. <laughs> so, um all right. So everyone involved um with Masters of the Universe Revolution um or in making Masters of the Universe Revolution has have they been overall ecstatic, I think, with the reception? Because because like before, um, critics really seem to love Masters of the Universe Revolution, just like they, they loved Revelation. But now it seems a larger side of the audience really seems to love this second entry. And I mean, you know, I... I really loved Masters of the Universe Revelation. Underlined loved. I mean, I passionately adored it. I still think, to be honest with you, it's my favorite out of the, the two series, to be honest. But it, it, the, the first series didn't seem to be everyone's cup of tea, but this time with Masters of the Universe Revolution, instead of a cup of tea, you all made iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it seems like everyone can't get enough of this iced tea. So, so are you just guys really pleased uh yeah it's
3: definitely a a, a great feeling i mean like I, I i'm still a fan of the first season as well like i, I completely too. stand by the the work um but seeing the response for the second time around was just you know incredible
1: people really like you know like really like this time around uh kevin and the writing crew really leaned into the puns and i think that was very much appreciated uh it was, like, I think that, like, the stakes are, you know, there's some intense stakes this time around, but there's a little bit more of that Saturday morning cartoon kind of, like, go get him, you know, He-Man type of vibe uh, that I think, like, people really gravitated to. Um, Yeah.
0: <laughs> Could you guys feel that? Like, oh, they're going to love this one when you were working on it. I mean, did you get a sense? Sometimes you get a sense of that early on. <laughs> I, I think so. I think,
3: uh you know making a second season of any animated show is always like a little bit easier than the first season, just because like you, you've done it before, everyone kind of knows what show you're making. Uh, and so things kind of have a tendency to crystallize in a way that uh, were harder to see at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But even the first season, you know, it was you know, a different type of story. It had a little bit more of a slower build until eventually, you know, it ramps up in that last episode where all the toys are at Grayskull, and <laughs> having an epic battle. Uh, but in the second season, you know, we've we know all the characters, we we know who our players are, we know how they got here, and so we could just live in that kind of Saturday morning spirit of the cartoon. Yeah.
0: All right. So maybe before we take a step further, uh, maybe perhaps we can steal a quick moment and take a look back. Um animation directors. I mean, how cool is that? It, it feels like you both are living the dream. So are you? I mean, is this pretty much what you both wanted to do as kids? Uh, weirdly, yes.
3: Uh, I'm one of those weirdos who kind of knew exactly what they wanted to do like at a young age. And that's so, not weird. That's It's like, <laughs> it it very, very lucky. Uh, but I, I just remember being a kid and like I've always had like a complete fascination with cartoons, um, like just every type. You know, Saturday mornings were a sacred time for me. Um, and when DVDs kind of first became a thing, and behind-the-scenes featurettes uh, were more easily accessible, this is still kind of early internet, pre-internet days. Yeah. Uh, but I would just devour all of these, you know, animated movies, behind-the-scenes content, and I just decided pretty early on, like, I want to do animation. So like that's what I went to school for, uh, and so to be able to direct something, especially an IP as cherished and beloved as this one, uh, it's a dream come true.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if I like wanted to be an animation director at the start. I definitely wanted to do something art related. Uh, I would say that like initially, I was you know I grew up on Star Wars. I grew up on like a lot of '80s properties, and the first thing I think I wanted to do was to do concept art do it for like Mm -hmm. uh like something like a star wars movie and then that eventually moved into like video games i started going into like video game design um made a couple real cheap games that nobody's ever gonna know about uh (laughs) and it was from there that i then got into animation and then through animation i got a job at powerhouse and then just through my exploration into different fields i eventually ended up in storyboards and By the time I was ready to direct, I had already started working on like doing my own music videos and doing like little side projects. And, you know, I just like, yeah, so I kind of found my way to directing as opposed to like immediately being like, I'm going to be in a director from the start. I just kind of ended up here.
0: Is this where you want to be though? You know, I like it. Okay.
1: There's a lot of benefits to directing. I mean, you have a creative say um, in projects of immense scale. Uh, but obviously, like, there's the other side to that is there's a lot of uh, keeping people focused, making sure that you're communicating properly with a lot of different people to make sure that you, you know, achieve whatever the goal is of the project. There's a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, know? yeah.
3: That's one thing I was not prepared for. Like, there's so <laughs> many spreadsheets and animation. Yeah. Like, 90% of animation is a spreadsheet.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. every frame
3: there's a hundred (laughs) spreadsheets
1: how many shots do you think are in an episode every one of those shots has got a background probably has some some something animated in it that has a character design that has to be composited has to be sent to outsource partners comes back quality check like you you have to keep track of all of that so you know i'm sure there's accountants that could look at our spreadsheets and be
0: (laughs) (laughs) i gotta tell you though what what the industry must be jealous of you compared to like 40 years ago is especially those filmation guys <laughs> is, um, is you guys have those, uh, canvas workstations, right? Oh yeah.
3: Cintiqs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: where for anyone at home, they, they get to draw like, uh, directly on these screens and animate with no paper in real time, you know, where, um, you know back in the day you know the animes would have to like flip papers back and forth back and forth you know <laughs> to see the animation but these guys can do them right on these like, that's how
1: it. i learned i learned on paper initially you uh, did oh, yeah, yeah same uh yeah. Like, do the, the rolling technique where you you put a piece of paper between each finger you kind of make a claw and you kind of roll them one two three like that mm-hmm. you got kind of, wow. like, that page that page that page and you just kind of go back and that kind of lets you see like a few frames ahead and back and let's you kind of study the motion uh, of a character and now you know we do it on a cintiq monitor which is the funny part about it is like it's all still hand drawn it's just mm-hmm. drawn on a screen right. you know so like a lot of the process so like when you used to do paper one of the processes you'd have to go through is if you wanted to see how your animation played out you'd have to take it to the thing called a down shooter it's basically a camera that faced down on a table that would have a light on it you place a page get a couple frames put another piece of paper to couple more frames and you would do that for like you know an hour or so depending on how long your scene is and then you could hit play and see it and now with you know the advent of digital technology like you can just hit the enter button on your keyboard at any time uh, and see how your animation is playing out
3: yeah there's definitely some some quality of life improvements yes (laughs) yeah
0: and i gotta think i once saw you guys i think it was you guys well the way you do backgrounds where you do like the, the, the 3D modeling of like a whole city for instance mm-hmm. right and then you just pick the angle you want and then like take a snapshot if and correct me if I'm wrong and then you guys just paint over you know there's no longer doing back in the day I'm an amateur artist and you, I would have to do that like point that her horizontal line for um, two-point
1: perspective yes yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and it'd be such a struggle to get it right but now with your technology I mean your backgrounds I mean uh, it must save so much time yeah
3: like uh our background pipeline was uh, largely engineered by uh, Jesse Piles, who's our um, uh, background supervisor in the first season of Mo2. And it just really enabled us to do more backgrounds more quickly, more effectively, more efficiently. Uh, And we are able to kind of just put a little bit more love into every single shot. Uh, And so small little ways that we were able to get more quality uh, by getting rid of, you know, small inefficiencies. Like it's it's great,
1: I'm surprised that like someone, uh, like I'm, I'm very excited that like like you are speaking about it because like you don't backgrounds are one of those things where like if it's done really well, most people don't uh uh highlight it, you know, uh, or usually only if the background is done poorly to people who are like, oh, that looks bad. Um, and so the fact that like you were able to to notice that like the process is uh working to the benefit of motu because I think that motu uh revelation and revolution have some of the best backgrounds of like any show like they're so pretty and they're so so consistently
0: pretty that's the big thing if you want to look at my wallpapers (laughs) they're rotating (laughs) block you know and i hope uh, are you guys going to do this for masters in universe revolution um when revelation came out you guys eventually released that on your um social media accounts you know um many of the backgrounds used and i was like oh save oh, save you know <laughs> and, and they're so beautiful to look at and um mm-hmm. yeah so i was interested and i was checking out the process and i was like wow you know i was hoping that these were like time-saving techniques you you, you guys are familiar with filmation right mm-hmm. they would use the um that that stock method technique where you know they would have stock animation and keep plugging it in plugging in to save money to keep jobs from going overseas Mm -hmm. and um i always thought like oh these this is like a great um you know time saving technique you know to use this like 3d technology so you're not working out your you know your your proportion and your perspective lines and stuff and then you could just sort of paint on top of this grid Mm -hmm. and um but it's 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 really wonderful how um, technology is making your guys lives easier without replacing you because I'm so afraid afraid of artificial intelligence. So frightened. Maybe you guys can calm me down. But I'm afraid one day, we're not gonna have real artists. And it's just gonna be you know, (laughs) Do you guys worry about that at all? Uh you sh- you should be
3: very afraid and hyper-vigilant and speak out against it as much as you can. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is a very real concern in the industry these yeah. days, you know, and just because it's such an emergent technology, you know, ethical guidelines and legal guidelines have not really been developed to handle it. Uh and so that is at least one of the reasons why things are a little tumultuous in the industry these days. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah you know the uh whenever uh we have yet to have the real conversations about like like akon said like legally what does this mean what will the labor response be what is the political response going to be to this um like those conversations aren't really being had yet uh and so yeah we'll see because like there's i have opinions about it about ai art uh <laughs> but i think like the main thing is like uh how it works, um, I think, right now is is pretty flawed, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it needs uh, input. And if it can't get that input, it doesn't really have anything to work off of.
0: Right. I think right now it just samples everyone else's artwork and sort of forms their... their it's like own... a
1: collage machine, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But I'm afraid one day it won't need that, you know? Um, I always worry about you know, even in our local supermarkets, right? I mean, um, I used to have just the cash registers alone. I mean, um, we used to have like jobs, you know, 10 or 12 jobs, cash registers line up. And now, at at least at my um, supermarket, not only is there only like two live people and the rest are just automated machines, even the big uh, grocery lines where you have a lot of groceries, that's even automated. But we even have a robot, guys, in our grocery store that that walks around and they gave it a little name tag. I think it's Marty, the robot or something like that. And mm-hmm. it has has a little camera and I don't know what it's for security or maybe to see if there's messes, but I'm like, Holy cow. <laughs> like
1: it's, for me, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's not like working a cash register or, or stocking shelves was a fulfilling is a fulfilling employment, right. Or or, right. or job to have. But at the same time, it's like, if if those jobs are going to go to some form of automation, it's like those people that like the thing that they got out of that was like a living. And that's what people need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if you could make a living and not have to stock shelves, I'm sure most people would go for that option. So, like, I think let's try to find a way to make that a reality where we can all make a living without having to stock shelves or clean toilets or mm-hmm. do any like that kind of stuff.
0: I think, you know, I'm still not the person to, to speculate, but I think there's going to be have to be some point, some sort of universal living wage one day that, um, mm-hmm. because there's going to be so many of those jobs just, re, you know, replaced by technology that, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, well, the, the, I mean,
1: you know, if uh, I'd say that like now, uh, that'd be a question for uh, candidate Andra. Um, now, that, now that the monarchy <laughs> yes. has been dissolved
0: <laughs> yes now were you guys worried about that because um you know that was the one thing that seemed to step out of lore w- where no one has gone before right uh, mm-hmm. to, to quote star trek that you where, <laughs> everyone has always been familiar with king Heyman, you know and the fact that it was no longer a monarchy and it was but now i thought it was great i thought it was so fitting for the story considering what one king can do, i.e. Keldor, right? Mm-hmm. A very bad king. But were you guys, I mean, I, I I know you were you guys like nervous at all? If you're going to be nervous about anything about, you know, the reception was was that an aspect?
3: I mean, like nervous probably isn't the right word, but I was curious to see the fan reaction to that because it is such a departure. Um, but I feel like it really does speak towards like, you know, what the heart of Adam's story is, is kind of forging his own destiny. You know, that's kind of what Randor, you know, says to him. And so it, it falls in line with that. And uh, I believe Marlena, uh, when she says that Randor
0: would be proud. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think so too. And, you know, one more step back and then we'll just keep uh, plowing through um, regarding this technological advances. You know, the one thing I miss guys, film cells. I mean, oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, or those animation cells, you know. Um. It, i and I, I i get it it's a heck of a lot easier to paint these these models on a screen with a touch of a stylus versus you know like an actual paintbrush yeah
1: you don't have to wait <laughs> for it to dry that's for sure
0: <laughs> yeah but boy as a collector you know there's something i miss you know do that... you have some filmation cells yeah i do i do i have um i not only have some filmation uh cells from uh, a couple episodes including my favorite episode called the evil Seed, but i don't know if you guys were familiar there was a original filmation commercial that um filmation did prior to the 1983 series it was a toy commercial and it was it was just um beautiful animation and i i have one of the cells from oh man that commercial yeah and i you know i would love to come out and go I need a hand drawn cell from masters of the universe <laughs> revelation and revolution. And there's no such thing. Actually, there was someone on eBay who created one that, um,
1: yeah, the people will do that. I've, I've seen like, another that's something like Disney does sometimes is that they'll have people who actually create cells of some of their other movies, uh, and then sell those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're not they're, like, there is something about like looking at like an animated film and being like, I have a piece of that yes. in my living room like that's that's a what's so so those you have like uh you, said you have one from the toy commercial and you have a couple from the actual uh, show
0: yeah the actual 1983 series um i have a few like from this episode called evil seed where this this plant creature took over eternia and uh yeah and they're beautiful and is that is that creature pink no he's green he's oh.
1: green okay yeah i have a cell of a different one then uh there's that one I gave Shane. I can't remember what it is, but it's He Man. He's like like riding a giant tentacle monster. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like uh, here's He Man wrapped up by. Oh, that's uh, a
1: great one. Plant. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And. Um, oh, uh, wow. excellent. Yeah, that's I gotta. Classic. I gotta frame <laughs> these, but uh, you know, Evil Seed was this great, terrific plant creature. There we go. This is a figure of him. Um, oh, OK. I remember yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, Skeletor would call him like a cabbage, you know, <laughs> what does that cabbage want? To do? And it was one of those great episodes that um, it was, you know, like Masters of the Universe Revelation, where Skeletor and He-Man had to team up for a common against the common foe. A common mm-hmm. threat, you know, and uh, and he was taking over Eternia, and it was it was it's a great episode. It's actually, um, we we had this large, you know, top 10 vote for the best the top 10 episodes of that 1983 classic series, and um, I think this one was number two, Evil Seed. So, people, fans, really love it. So, um, all right uh correct me if you if i'm wrong gentlemen but uh, masters of the universe revelation was your first animated series directing gig for both of you am i for animated uh, series
3: that was the first time we were both uh, in the full director's seats yeah um, right uh we had both worked on seis manos previously mm-hmm. and before that i think we both had worked on castlevania
2: mm-hmm.
3: And so like we were very familiar especially with the powerhouse process uh, and, you know, we, we dabble in a few series works, but this was our first time actually stepping and sitting in the director's chair. So did you both,
0: did you guys have to lobby hard? I mean, how did you get the job or, <laughs> or did you have to prove your mettle in some way or another or? Uh, well, Patrick and I have been,
3: you know, at Powerhouse for a, a good long while now. And so, you know, we, we, we've shown more than a few times that we can uh, make some stellar animation uh, mm-hmm. and make it quickly and on a budget when needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, And and so there was like a lot of trust that Powerhouse had placed in us just, you know, as artists and individuals. Uh, um, But we were very thankful when they, you know, gave us the position uh, to direct the show. Um, Me especially, like one of my favorite things to work on is uh, things with really excellent lighting and mood and color and atmosphere. Uh, And this is definitely a property that has all of those things. Um, Like, you know, delving into the show, one of the things that, you know, fans will say that what drew them to the series is like, you know, the box art, like how vibrant, you know, it is with these colors with this, you know, Frank Prezetta inspired, you know, illustrations. Uh, and that was definitely one of the things that I latched onto pretty early on. Uh, And what we wanted to bring to the show was this, uh, super saturated, you know, vibrant world, uh, you know, that's different from our own with these, you know, larger than life characters. Uh, and then patrick has been a phenomenal animator uh for forever it seems like there's nothing that you can throw at patrick stanner that he can't do uh, sometimes things more complicated than he should even attempt <laughs> 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 like when uh, in the first season when savage he-man is just destroying all of those incidentals they're just dog piling on them
1: yeah that <laughs> shot patrick a... you're crazy
3: to attempt a shot like
1: that I Did that in storyboards too that was a <laughs> so you know the scene it's basically um <laughs> yeah. all it's that one where the camera's kind of slowly rotating around he-man as like all they're all piling on top of him, and he keeps knocking them off
0: before he gets the axe yeah but yeah. yeah
1: just before he gets the axe <laughs> that was all done in storyboard as a storyboard but every panel was only like three frames long. So it was like, it was basically animated in storyboard pro. Uh,
0: <laughs> it, was, it was such a fun shot too. And then once he gets to know. the ax, oh, you know what? I want to talk about him, but maybe I should wait a second. Um, all right. So you guys get this gig Are either of you Motu fans at this point, Pri- prior to as like kids or anything <laughs> like that, or. So I, I was born in the late eighties. And so like, I kind of missed that
3: initial you know right. man hysteria. Uh, but like my connection to the, um, franchise was always through the Filmation series. Um, like, you know, just being a fan of animation in general, like I had already become acquainted with it. Um, but there's this fun little thing about directing is the more comfortable you get at it, the more you really come to appreciate how important it is to work a budget, uh, (laughs) and the Filmation series is like a masterclass in like how to work a budget, (laughs) how, how to get the most amount of animation for your buck. Uh, mm-hmm. and so there's there's a lot, lot lot of notes we took but also there's just like a ton of charm that that series has
1: uh, yeah like as as someone who like similarly I was born in 87 um so but I grew up on a lot of like 80s properties like uh, I, I saw Robocop definitely far too young for someone to watch <laughs> Robocop uh but isn't there
0: a Robocop cartoon I think yes there was <laughs> we don't talk about the Robocop
1: cartoon all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a TV series too.
0: Yes. Uh, I remember that. Yeah.
1: But, um, but yeah, so like uh, grew up with like, like Robocop, Star Wars, aliens, like all these, like I'm I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was already like a big fan of all these fantasy genres, big fan of all these sci-fi genres. And He-Man was always kind of like in my periphery kind of yeah. growing up. Uh, and so I wasn't anticipating falling in love with it as much as I did when we got the gig because uh, like that th- was it was a constant it's kind of like my career it was like a constant reveal to me where i was like oh <laughs> shit like <laughs> he man has got this and they have this lore about the sword and like oh but then there's this different version of this this thing called the like the hall of wisdom and like oh my god like and just like going down this rabbit hole going through i have it behind me here going through uh the art of man and the masters of the universe you can still see all of our notes in here mm. just uh yeah speaking of like like you can go to any page here and it's just like lore and vibrancy and you know the idea that like i can work in a fantasy world but then also get to do cool mechs and and mm-hmm. work on things that like <laughs> transform and come apart and have lasers while also someone's using magic to transform someone into stone and like doing i don't know it was like that was my thing was like more less like uh, an old love and more like falling in love with a property
0: it's so crazy right it shouldn't work i mean here's this guy in a loincloth flying in a spaceship you know and he's got yeah. a sword and a shield it it is marvelous but um and and it's great that you you, you discovered along the way about because yeah i think a lot of people don't realize at first point blank you know they think he-man and Skeletor or how how robust the the world the universe mm-hmm. is yeah you know permit me to fly off on a tangent for a second but uh i didn't know the head of production um over at powerhouse shane uh mm-hmm. minshu yes sir was such a fan i mean it wasn't until i saw him talk during netflix's uh geeked week oh yeah that interview yeah yeah where i got to see you know his like masters of the universe tattoo mm-hmm. sleeve and uh Sounds and he like showed more, like one of
1: the Master's tattoos—he has. He's got so many.
0: (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh man, I I really need to reach out to him and see if he's gonna, if he would regale us with his uh, Motu. He's he's probably
1: the one in here that would have a toy wall to rival. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta reach out to. I, we follow each other um, on social media on Instagram, but I gotta reach out to Shane because oh, okay, it's I always
1: can... like, yeah, his fashion sense is always on point, right? He's got, like the Skeletor hat, and he will have like the yeah the the Masters Revolution uh, shorts or Revelation shorts that oh, he, yeah. he brought to like the premiere. <laughs> uh, yeah he was kind of our guiding force when we didn't if we didn't couldn't get immediate access to teddy and rob and kevin like because you know they're very busy (laughs) they've got like crazy schedules um but so when we couldn't have them shane was kind of like uh uh, and akon can speak a little bit on this we have a a chat called gut check (laughs) and it was literally like we would have an idea and we would be like shane what do you think does this does this tickle the fancy of a motu fan or are we off base with this
3: Mm. Yeah, having that instant feedback, you know, was great, um, and it, it kind of really allowed Patrick and I to keep our focus on the franchise um, as it would be experienced by you know newcomers. Because uh, if something didn't make sense to us, you know, it wouldn't make sense to the audience, and so we could ask the appropriate questions and make sure things are coming across on the screen how they're coming across on the page. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so back on track. Um... As a novice to the industry, uh, I must ask, why two directors, or sometimes three? I know having multiple directors is a lot more common in animation, say, than obviously feature films. Mm-hmm. But um, And I'm certain there's important reasons behind it, so can you just explain? I mean, like,
1: are we even two directors at this point, Adam? <laughs> yeah, like, uh,
0: Patrick and I, like
3: speak about like during production we would have daily meetings like catch-ups at the end of the day what have you where it really did feel like we were just the the two halves of, of one brain the two halves of the theory. sword <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um but i would say like in general you know animation is such a vast medium Um it has so many different departments each their own specific artistic you know specialty uh and so it's hard to find one person who can do it all. Uh, And even if you could, you you wouldn't necessarily want to. Uh, And where Patrick and I really worked well together is that we're both extremely talented artists, but in different areas. And so we complemented each other's strengths and weaknesses uh, really well. Um, Patrick, as I mentioned, was a a really excellent animator uh, and and board artist especially. Um, And I kind of approached it from more of a post-production side. You know, my background is largely in compositing editing etc uh and vfx work um of which of which there was plenty <laughs> there's plenty to go around yeah
1: <laughs> i think that that like that skill set was immensely uh valuable to motu it was a akon skill set as a compositor because like to kind of speak as well like not just animation is vast but like the motu universe is so vast and dense at the same time. There is like, there is a character for every scenario. There, there is aliens and worlds that all have like their entire own backstories. Um, there's the filmation series. There's the comics. There's the classics. There's the vintage toys. There's like so much to pull from that uh, you know it kind of becomes a two man job in terms of like making all of that have focus and and make sense. And thankfully, like, we already had, like, a really good script to work off of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of uh, the, the powers that be, the three towers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, in terms of the compliments that we, uh, how we complimented each other, like, Akon's ability to know what things are going to look like when they reach his plate as a compositor, which is the end of the pipeline, mm. was invaluable in terms of making sure we didn't go, like, in two crazy directions, because that's that's kind of like where it goes. It's like my role was usually like random ideas, like oh, what <laughs> what if we did this? What if we did this? Wouldn't this be really cool? And then uh, Akon would kind of like take that and like hone it in like a direction. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So we had like a like really intense storming sessions where, yeah, uh, and yeah, and I think like that's that's work because that's what Motu needs. Motu needs to get do crazy things that like you're not going to get in a more grounded or a more like uh grim universe uh but at the same time like if you if you're just doing that then you're going to lose focus of the really important story and characters uh that you need to tell and that's what that's what holds you uh Mm -hmm. in a property like motu like the toys and like all that is really fun and that's that's the excitement part that's what like gets you interested but what keeps you in the universe is like the relationship between like Adam and Tila right. and like Ske- and like the relationship between Skeletor and He-Man is like that's so fun to play with or in Revolution Skeletor and himself
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so y- you guys really fit like then a ying and a yang I mean that's probably a bad analogy do you know what I mean but you know I I to go for a full circle to calling you guys are um, Martin Scorsese and James Cameron you know um <laughs> those uh great directors you know the former happens to be a master craftsman at character interaction and dialogue where the latter is a uh, craftsman of action right james cameron action right so mm-hmm. so was there any of that to you guys at all do you, do you feel like they're there, there a little bit like you know? Okay. Pat's really
3: amazing at um, all of these action sequences. Um, and so a lot of the times the things that I really care about are like the character interactions and those kind of subtle you know character performances uh, throughout. And so a lot of times like that's where I wanted to put my focus. Um, and I always felt comfortable doing so because I knew whatever action was needed, Pat was gonna knock it out of the water. <laughs>
1: yeah if you want to like i think if you look at let's take like revelation for example like okay. Evelyn talking with orko and like finishing on like it's magic with that like phoenix like that is an akon like idea like realized and then me it's like he-man running through a crap load of shadow beasts and then making a shadow dragon fall down and explode while he says for eternia like that's like the two halves
0: <laughs> that's awesome by the way, should I be calling you Akon, not Adam? <laughs> oh, <sorry>. I mean, <laughs> but
3: the story behind that nickname is that uh, there there's more than one Adam at the studio. Uh, oh. it, it, um, is one of the directors of Castlevania, Adam Dietz. Uh, he and I like shared an office. Our chairs were like back to back. And so we had to quickly find a way to discern which Adam you were talking about. And now there's Prince Adam added to the mix. And so Akon <laughs> just easiest you're not talking about the character you're
0: talking right. about the director it's kind of cool sounding too If i am be honest about that you know you guys have a such a good rapport um you know the one thing i'm wondering so you got adam akon and patrick working together and uh you know to, to so many of us um working with a partner is such like a scary proposition uh because so many of us work at different speeds with like uh different methods and 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 like carry opposing philosophies you know at like the same task at hand um so yeah and that's why the prevailing advice is uh don't work with your friends right or your family <laughs> because all it takes is that one thing that one disagreement to blow a partnership wide open so mm-hmm. how does Acon and patrick navigate that traditional minefield of working together, especially in a job like with deadlines and, you know, assumingly high pressure situations.
3: Uh, I I know the exact way to answer this is because we had uh, years of practice in the form of uh, we would normally do, you know, two 15 minute breaks, you know, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, powerhouse. (laughs) Uh, And the way that we would choose to spend that time is by playing smash bros at the office (laughs) uh and so we were able to deal with each other's uh rage and (laughs) 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 um in small doses over the course of a decade and so by the time it got to directing it's like oh there's nothing we could do to uh, surprise the other person
1: (laughs) yeah and also like when for revelation like you said like our first time kind of directing like i was looking forward to having someone to work with. Like it was, it was a much more daunting task to go into that alone.
3: Mm. Yeah. Agreed. There's not a day went by that. I wasn't glad to have Pat there by my side. If when you got...
1: like a lightning bolt.
0: yeah, One of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the king of lightning bolts. When you guys were, go ahead. And no, I'm sorry, Pat. I was
1: just going to say that there's a lot of lightning in the show that I <laughs> like, I would just be like, all right, cool. And it's animated. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys were playing, uh is there a lot of smack talk you know playing your video games um <laughs> you guys I, ever watch uh what is that 40 year old version paul rudd and i forget the other guy they're just doing smack talk i just have this vision of you guys doing that we
1: kept things pretty cordial at powerhouse okay. like, yeah, yeah yeah uh
0: yeah. oh the, yeah it's i think one. our
1: concept of heated is a lot like tamer than a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> we, we like
0: we never threw a controller or anything yeah <laughs> Well, all right. So stop me if I'm wrong, but the executive producers uh, do the casting and uh, they're the Mm -hmm. ones deciding who they want, uh, which actors to be the voice talent. So so starting with Masters of the Universe, Revelation, did 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 your minds absolutely explode when you first found out who this star studded voice cast was going to be? And then did they explode again when you found out <laughs> who was gonna be added to the cast for Masters of the Universe Revolution?
3: Yeah, it's it such an insane cast list, you know, cause you know, I, I was at the beginning crossing my fingers that we might get, you know, like one big name, you know, attached to our show, but then to get like the laundry list of like top tier talents, uh, mm-hmm. reading the words in front of us uh, and animating to those voices, like it was just insane.
1: They're not uh, just and- like, the, and they're not just like star-studded cast. Like they're also, all of them are really good voice actors. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, as an animator, that's another thing. Like it's, it's one thing to have like a star in the role, but like to have a star who also like understands the ins and outs of good voice acting is, yeah, it's, uh, we, we rolled a net 20 on that one uh, in terms <laughs> of our luck.
0: <laughs> you know who shocked me? Uh, Ted B. Selly didn't shock me because as um, <laughs> as Guilda, or what I mean is um, I realize he he was he, he's done a lot of voices he did um, uh, he was Loki on Superhero Squad mm-hmm. so the fact that he's so talented as a voice actor you know I wasn't surprised you know but you know who shocked me um, when you guys had writer Tim Sheridan dude. oh my god oh, Yeah, yeah, a hero. yeah. holy he's cow so good he is so good i had no idea that was him you know sometimes you could tell you know and i had no idea it was it was him and then when i saw him in the credits i was like wow i mean like tim's
3: such you know a a great guy like in general but also like a fantastic writer and it's just so unfair that he's also a great (laughs) voice actor yeah (laughs) like save some for the rest of us like if he starts
0: (laughs) animating something i'm gonna be like look we need to talk (laughs) yeah you know um I had him on the podcast a few times and uh, Tim, I believe did explain that um, he did start out in acting um, early, early in his career. And he did a few commercials and, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and I would love to find those commercials, you know, something like a tide commercial or something like that. Uh, But, you know, even though you could find most things on the internet, couldn't find that, but, um, but yeah, he was so fantastic. And then the other person I'm impressed with, maybe I shouldn't have been, but. William Shatner. Wow. I mean, what was he? He had to be 91 when he 90 when he was recording his audio. And, like
1: that, yeah.
0: and that man, he 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 is just as sharp and as talented as he's ever been.
1: Uh I was astonished when he came into the audio booth and I was like, this like a 90-year-old man, he's got more energy than I
2: do.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he you know, that's the way oh, we all hope to be right when, mm-hmm. when you look at like actors say like or Betty White, you know, God rest her soul. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, anyone or, or Clint Eastwood, I think, is directing in his 90s that mm-hmm. that the William Shatner is still so sharp and entertaining and funny and talented. And 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 I never I mean, were you guys shocked to find out he was playing Keldor? I mean, did that even?
1: Oh, of
2: course.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: like, <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> If there was any shock left over from
3: like you know the, the initial casting, you know, then Shatner's name comes on the mix, and then he's in front of us during the record, and it's just I I'm all out of reaction. Like I, I don't know how to react <laughs> to that. I never thought I would be in this scenario where I'm working with William Shatner.
0: Now that is awesome. I didn't know you guys
3: could observe the cast recordings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were usually there on the Zoom calls. Uh, like it was, uh, we had wonderful voice director uh, Colette Sunderman Um, and Kevin was usually there as well working with the talent uh but every now and then you know we'd pipe in it's like can they say it a little bit louder because they're on the other side of the room in the animatic you know bringing the
1: context of the of the episode uh that we've like (laughs) boarded so it's like this moment it's like you know out in a battlefield so like talk as if you're in front of a helicopter right like you got to kind of project or, you know, like that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments was, uh, it was an ADR pickup session where we're just kind of picking up, you know, additional lines, efforts, grunts, what have you, just to kind of help flesh out the soundscape in the episode. Uh, and it was picking up some lines for Keldor. And uh, Colette passed uh, the direction over to me to work with Shatner, uh, just because I had the context scene by scene, you know, what where the gruts where the efforts were where the added lines were uh and it just turned into this very out of body experience where (laughs) i was directing william shatner and we finished and like my soul returned my body i'm like did did we get it did we get it like it was just like i was running on pure adrenaline
0: yeah that man is a living legend oh oh you know and i i never would have thought masters in you both those guys mark hamill and william shatner holy cow and this was what i think the first time they've ever been in a show together i think it's I think it, you're correct yeah yeah and the fact that they're in the head of the same yeah. character <laughs> you know it's just genius oh ah. Oh, let's see that's that's the thing where i'm just so jealous of you guys you know you get up go to work and you're like yeah this is what i'm working on <laughs> you know mm. All right. So, so when the cast is doing their voice recordings um, and that's after the scripts are written, obviously, and seemingly locked, um, is that when your team is working on the animation models or are you already into like anima- animatics by then? Uh,
1: uh, for for <laughs> sure. Uh, so um, in terms of like when we're recording the talent, uh, is that when like our team is working on the animation or the previous, I would say that like, it's a cascading thing so like yeah like obviously like recording um is like a pre-production thing but like usually uh we go kind of like episode by episode yeah um and so like uh it's like a waterfall type thing or, or overlapping i should say mm-hmm. uh where like we might be finishing up setting one episode out while we're on pre-production for another episode so at, at some point they start to overlap
0: jeez But ideally,
1: yeah, like you get all of your audio and then you package it as like a big uh, animatic and send and then that's what you give to your outsource partner.
3: Yeah, but by and large, you know, we had the audio recorded before we're really getting into the weeds of doing storyboards. Uh, There might be like a little bit of like a head start that's happening beforehand where we just have scratch audio in place. But, you know, we really rely on, you know, the talents and their performance, you know, in those recordings. To help bring out that character because you know when we're posing and you know performing the anim- animated characters we want it to align with the voice the vocal mm-hmm. performance mm.
0: you know just a offshoot here i just adore the artwork of um eddie nunez oh, oh
3: yeah. yeah eddie is one of the best A fantastic guy to work with and just incredible designs like his his designs have this very I don't know how else to put it, but like an action figure type quality to yeah. them where it's just like, you just want to pull it off the page and play with it. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's, no. he's like one of the main reasons that like He-Man is so big in our mm-hmm. show, which was like, <laughs> that was the thing that we needed. Like He-Man, he it's He-Man. Like you, you can't have a small Lilith He-Man. He's got to be gigantic. Yeah. Uh, and you're not going to find someone better to do that than Eddie Nunez. Um, He-Man's biceps are bigger than my waist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know he's so talented and uh, he is interesting line work as well. It's angular in certain sections, and it's just uh, yeah, I was just so happy that you uh, had him doing that. And um, but you know what? Let's let, all right, let's go to that savage He Man. But in general speaking, let's let's I needed to cover uh, fighty fight. So, can we talk fighty fight?
1: <laughs> let's talk so, fighty fight. Let's talk fighty fight.
0: I believe it was uh, Kevin Smith who uh, first revealed that um, often his writing team when they were writing the scripts would not detail the step-by-step or rather blow-by-blow description of epic battles in their scripts, you know, epic fights between characters that instead their writing team would just jot down or perhaps even be encouraged to jot down (laughs) the note fighty fight, which, (laughs) which I think was just a call of action, to both of you um, where, you know, as directors, you would fill in the blanks and choreograph these amazing battle scenes. So can you explain soup to nuts, the the process of turning fighty fight into a epic clash that we see on screen? (laughs) Well, it usually starts with me and Pat with like action figures
3: in hand. (laughs) no we usually uh we read the script we kind of like digest it or we understand like you know what's happening under the hood you know story-wise you know what are the key things that are you know happening throughout the fight and the choreography and you know we're just making sure that those story beats are coming across you know and doing so in a way that's really engaging and entertaining
1: yeah i think that like all like yeah it, it's a wonderful excuse uh to play with storytelling Uh, in a different realm and i and i I love doing storytelling like in fights uh uh, with choreography because like you know those are always the most interesting fights to watch whenever you watch like have a memorable fight scene in your head it's always one that is telling you a story that you don't know that it's telling you um and so being able to to play with characters like you know figuring out like what is he-man's moveset right like he-man he's uh I always pictured him as kind of like a, a bull, like he kind of runs directly at the problem because yeah. he can take whatever you throw at him. so why not just like go directly? but at the same time, he pulls his punches. you know he man doesn't uh, you know except for a few key instances, he doesn't try to stab you with the sword right. like someone like blade might right like blade's always going to lead with the point of his blades because he's trying to kill you. whereas he man he's not he's a hero, and it's like but Skeletor on the other hand, he's always like elusive um so he's always kind of attacking from other angles or doing something that you're not anticipating right so he'll he'll launch a portal and stick his hand in the portal and punch you with that or he'll uh he'll he'll make his hand, his fingers turn into metal you know and like shoot underneath the ground so they come up out of nowhere and surprise you he's always kind of rarely does he come at you directly uh uh it's always like a diversion of some sort Mm -hmm. um and uh and then also yeah like in these moments what is the character feeling what do they need to learn what are we trying to communicate to the audience um are we trying to communicate that like uh, like a really good fight for that is the teela versus spectral he-man one yeah where like when she's kind of evading the subject she's evading he-man you know uh and like the whole thing of like changing it into teela as well and having teela fight herself it's yeah like I'm so happy that uh, the the powers that be gave us that creative freedom to really play in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it yielded some pretty, pretty fun results. I had a lot of fun doing uh, working on multiple fight scenes uh, for both revelation and revolution.
3: Yeah. It's also a great opportunity to play around with like the characters abilities, you know, like work mm-hmm. uh, in the case of, you know, at least what was it? A uh, one Oh nine. when, Tila and Andre are going up against uh, Webstore and Blade and all of them. Oh yeah, and it's <laughs> like oh Opal. Uh, Webstore comes with a little grappling gun, so we, we got to work <laughs> at it in there somewhere. Um, uh, those types of fun Easter eggs, uh, figuring out you know what Skelligod's attacks you know are look like. You know how mm-hmm. does he fight? You know uh, mm-hmm. they're all opportunity, all opportunities to uh, reveal a little something about the characters. Uh, And I feel like we also have to kind of, like, gush over our really talented board artists Oh yes, uh, for a a lot of these sequences. Um, We had worked with a few of them on the first season for a few years. Um, Patrick and I, as I mentioned before, we had worked on Seis Manos. Uh, A lot of the board artists, um, it's a kung fu show, uh, so lots of intricate choreography in the show. Uh, And a lot of that same team kind of came over to the first season of Motu uh and they just did phenomenal work um that's kind of part of why all of Tila's fights are so badass uh, mm-hmm. especially in that uh mm-hmm. 104 scareglow fight uh is because we had just come off fresh of this great kung fu show mm.
1: yeah and then shout out to the the ones who came on for revolution which is like i think ratcheted so much of it up to 11 especially that final episode where there's mm-hmm. so much to keep track of uh so yeah that was a uh We've been pretty lucky on the crews that we've been able to work with on these to to help realize these uh, very, very intense visions.
0: (laughs) You know, I love that you go into the mindset of the characters, you know, in regards to, you know, their behaviors and how they would approach the fights. You know, not just the, the way they think, but the way they're feeling. And just it's just something I never even considered right now. Until you know, you just mentioned it, and uh... well,
1: with, with Savage, you know, like that's that oh. wonderful moment where you're like, He Man's not holding back. <laughs> yeah. It's like He Man had that power in him when he was fighting Skeletor beforehand, but he doesn't mm. let it out. And then when you have Savage, he doesn't have that restraint anymore. And so, yeah, it's like Skeletor is like, "All right, I'm gonna launch a nuclear energy bomb at you," and He Man's like, "I'm gonna eat it." It's like, Crap. <laughs> you know, like, oh god,
0: <laughs> you know, mine without a doubt. Uh, my favorite fighty fight has to be that uh, epic battle between uh, Skull God and Savage He-Man. And, um, you know, just the dynamic camera angles chosen reminded me like how direction of photography, if that's the right term in animation is so important, you know, the way you angle it can make it look so dynamic. And some of those action beats, uh, like when uh, Savage ha- uh, He-Man lands a punch to Skell up against the rock, was it? And then a beat later, bam, the rock behind Skelgod shatters. God oh, shatters. Or, or how it looks, just Savage He-Man um, punches Skell God, sends him flying, but quickly grabs Skell by the ankle
2: and yanks
0: him yeah. <laughs> right back in. I'm like, this is top notch. I mean, this would be this would be amazing if it was like uh, to make a comparison, an incredible Hulk movie you know, and it was just, ah, it was just so, mm. it, That's it was really
1: a, I think a carryover from some of that Seis Manos influence, yeah. um, you know, working on a Kung Fu show. Cause like, if you, if you compare like pre Kung Fu movie, Western cinema, right. It's mm. mostly fights. Like you'd see in like an old Western, right. It's, it's, it's John Wayne. And he grabs a guy by the lapels and he just punches him and he falls back into a table and the guy gets up, and he walks over, and then he punches him, and he falls back through a table. And there's, like, a, the tempo is very slow and mm. and uh, kind of sedate. And what, like, a lot of kung fu cinema brought to uh, fight scenes wasn't just, like, all the cool moves, but also the there's a rhythm. And the rhythm will change tempo, or it'll get uh, 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 more sporadic, and kind of, like, the, the, the strikes get more staccato. And so, like... You know, having that like like that was like a big thing on these fight scenes Was like they have kind of a rhythm and there's a there's a sound quality that like you can almost hear like with the with the different moves. And like yeah, that's like, like he man, right? He man hits god with one big punch, throws him, and then is immediately on him mm, and yeah. and it ends before god gets him off him. There's that moment where it's just a flurry of punches hitting the sword. And he's like, Get this guy off of me. Like that's there's a rhythm to that, and then it ends with the boom and then you get a moment to breathe Mm -hmm. and then he goes into the the fight again yeah
3: yeah i think it was it was danny who boarded that sequence right
1: yes i think it was danny and uh we had an additional board artist who's unfortunately i can't remember his last name but his first name was chris It was chris and danny's uh work on that uh Mm -hmm. that like really uh gave us that savage versus skelly god fight
3: yeah uh danny araya another fantastic action board artist that we've been lucky to work with a few times Mm. Do you guys have uh, a favorite? Never fails to uh, <laughs> uh never never fails to impress.
0: Yeah, they're all impressive. I was gonna say, <laughs> do you guys have a favorite fighty fight personally? Each of you? Oh I, I have a
3: lot of love for the very opening fight sequence in Revolution, mm. uh just against Scareglow, partially just because I feel like it really kind of captured that. Saturday morning spirits um, of the original Filmation show. You know, He Man's there, and he's kind of showing why everyone else struggled so much without him uh, <laughs> on the first season. And just kind of makes clean work of Scareglow.
2: Uh,
3: first season would have been a lot shorter if He Man had been around the whole time.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> uh, I would say for me, it's probably the Skella Tech versus Hordak fight. It's pretty good. Mm. Just because, like, there's so many great transitions in that as well. Uh, Going back between, like, uh, Skeletor's past and then his current fight with Hordak. Uh, A lot of that was done by uh, Sean. Do you remember his last name? Was it Khan? Yes. Sean Khan was the uh, board artist on that one. Um, And uh, yeah, that was like one of my favorite sequences. Mm. So good.
0: Yeah and i love just that like
1: the, god that uh, I'm i'm thinking it back about like like just like the the punctuating moment when he hit when hordak hits him with the shield and it slows down and then you get that lightning strike and yeah. then it and then it transitions back to the, like the modern day like it's mm-hmm. so good
0: yeah that was a good transition that reminded <laughs> yeah. me of the movie uh 300 i don't know if you ever saw that was oh that yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah where there was a lot of that speed up and slow down mm-hmm. time yeah and uh and they would have the lighting was very similar with the lightning bolt and um it was just uh was so visually stunning it was, mm-hmm. it was so cool they beat uh, the
1: ever-loving snot out of each other so good.
0: <laughs> they did they did and you know you were um you were talking about rhythm mm-hmm. so let's go on the flip side of that coin um maybe to to Akon's side um, because on the flip side of these like action pack scenes, there are these involving uh, immersive, emotional scenes of dialogue and character interaction mm-hmm. that is just so wonderfully done. <laughs> um, a scenario comes to mind, uh, the scenes that take place in the dungeon of Castle Skull, you know, in the second part of Masters of the Universe Revelation, where Duncan is imprisoned with the Orlax and has these great long stretches of dialogue, first with Skell God, and then the second time with uh, Skell Sorceress, AKA Sorceress Evil Lynn, where there are no scenery changes and both scenes are held in this like dark confined space, yet the scenes are equally thrilling and compelling to their action counterparts and sometimes can even be more satisfying in a way than, you know, these all out brawls that neighbor these moments. So as directors, does making these scenes present its own set of challenges to be effective? Because it always feels like, like you were saying about rhythm, that that there's a dance to these scenes. Like um, how long you determine to let a sentence breathe, or Mm -hmm. where the camera's positioned during said dialogue can make or break an emotional moment. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, like we really encouraged uh, all the board artists to just uh, really get as creative as they could with like where they're putting that camera, you know, what angles they're choosing. Um, That sequence you're referring to, I believe was boarded by Olivia Sweet, if I recall correctly. Uh, Amazingly talented um, board artist and animator. Uh, but it's just did a fantastic job of choosing some of these shots. There's this one that I remember uh, fondly. Uh, it's when Evelyn is kind of starting to doubt the choices that she's made. And, you know, before she ends up taking the power for herself, uh, there's this shot where, you know, there's a, one of the hanging cages from the dungeon, and she's kind of framed through it because she's kind of in a cage of her own making. Uh, and I was like, chef's kiss. Great job, Olivia." <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it, and but there is a rhythm to it, you know, like when when do you want to hold on a close up of Evelyn? Yeah, and, you know, it's it's usually like you know, Duncan has some pretty cutting words uh, mm. that he says that influences Evelyn. So like, uh, specifically like when she's like leaving, and he kind of leaves her with that. Uh, what's that line that he leaves her with? That final line.
0: minute. Mm.
1: Um. <laughs> There's a lot of lines we went through, so we got to go back and see if we can remember it. But it's it's something about because um, uh, he's trying to d- make a divide between Evil Lyn and Skeletor. Right, you
0: know? right, right,
1: right. And so
0: it's, it's like it's this, this pointed barb that kind yeah. of <laughs> <the same. laughs> yeah. You know, just when you want to recall something, it escapes me. You know, if I was 20 years younger, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to well, remember
1: what it was. Oh, but anyways, it's, it's yeah. a nice shot like holding on Evelyn before she then walks out of frame. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. stuff like that. like uh, that's just as important as the rhythm in like a fight scene is because like you're communicating uh, a, a moment in the story that like is part of yeah. a greater arc. And so yeah, every shot matters. and especially in a show like Motu, you have to be careful about shot count because if you get too much like there's a lot of stuff in every shot. It, there's You know, Duncan is not just a dude. He's a dude who's got armor and sometimes cloth. And like, you know, he's usually there's usually uh, like three or four other people in any given moment. Like, there's a big cast of characters in our show, and so you have to be careful with shot count. Meaning that, like, if you have less shot, you want to keep the pace up. Every shot matters so much um, in terms of what it's conveying to the audience and like basically what resources it's using and and what you know, bang for the buck you're getting out of that shot.
0: Mm. You know, I just love, I mean, what this creativity you're talking about is subtle, right? It's really mm-hmm. subtle creativity, but it's so impactful for people who are paying attention. I'm so impressed with your craft. Um, one of one of the things that I'm so impressed with what you guys do, and maybe not necessarily everyone notices or everyone catches, or everyone's paying attention. Um, and I'm not talking about the Easter eggs, but I, I guess I should ask about those too, uh, is what I'm referring to is like those amazing um, transitions you do. Like in, in Revelation, when um, Triclops' eyes squint, <laughs> and then it dissolves into that stained glass. like yeah, the, the match dissolve. Yeah, and in the, the temple of Globula, mm-hmm. And then, um, or even better, even better, um, the sparks from Roboto's hammer <laughs> d- dissolve beautifully into those um, fireflies. So both
1: Acon transitions you're talking. About. <laughs> are they? Okay. Oh yeah. I, I I did pat
3: myself on the back for the uh, spark one. That was something that was kind of added in like last minute. You know, it's just like oh, something about this. We need some sort of transition between these two scenes because they're just so tonally dissonant. Uh, and so we put together this little test animation of like the sparks turning into the fireflies and we're like, oh, that's it,
0: <laughs> solved, <Yeah>. problem solved. <laughs> it's it's another layer that, you know, some people just don't account for, you know, mm-hmm. you got visuals and story, but you're kind of like using your craft, your medium to enhance the story in such a way that it just, well, for me at least, it just like charges me, emotionally, even more. And I, I it's hard for me to describe.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those benefits of, of working in animation is just it really allows you to take full advantage of the medium. Like there's there's nothing we can't do in animation.
0: Hmm. Mm. And even even I'm gonna even yeah. in Masters of Universe Revolution, uh, even for kings, that episode, um, mm-hmm. were scenes. scenes you know you guys kept dissolving from like uh Tila's face into adams face and vice versa that like was subconsciously informing the viewer you know that these two characters hearts were connected yep. right mm-hmm. and uh, so these are just brilliant touches of of work and um are any of these is this all you guys is is any of this in this ripped, I mean, obviously the, the fireflies weren't and stuff, I mean, or it's just all just, you know, from from your craft, you know? Um, in those
3: cases, I think those were little uh, opportunities that we had to gild the lily. Um, but, you know, it's, so much of animation is kind of reacting uh, or, or filmmaking in general is just reacting to, you know, what you're seeing, you know, uh, at the beginning of production, the show is the outline, and then that, that's the show until the script comes along, and now that's the show.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
3: the show until the animatics come along. It's like, okay, now that's the show until the animation comes back. It's like, now this is the show. And its you're always kind of taking what you've done. You're moving forward a little bit at a time, but you're also kind of taking a step back to make sure that what you're doing is working and is landing. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's 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 direction is a good term for it because you are kind of like steering uh, a vessel that is the production a little bit, and like every every time you get a new piece of information, your view gets a little clearer. You might make a little adjustment here or there to make sure that you can get to that that goal. And it, uh, in terms of like what is us, what is like uh, Kevin, Teddy, uh, Rob. It, one of the nice things about this production in terms of the creative side of things is it is very collaborative. Like I've, I've been very thankful that like, you know, Kevin, like, yeah, like uh, he was, he's the lead writer as well as an executive producer. But like, I don't think there's ever been a moment when he wasn't willing to listen to an idea that we had Mm -hmm. like, uh, and, and Rob and Teddy, not only like listen to our ideas, but also have loads of amazing ideas as well. And so it, it really is like we would get on these calls and just like, let's brainstorm let's see what we can figure out um, and so i'm very ha- i'm very thankful that they like uh, not only came to us with good ideas but also were willing to work with us to uh, create some other ones and like i think the results speak for themselves
2: yeah
0: it's kind of like inspire creativity right
2: absolutely i mean,
0: I mean you know i love you know you were talking about Tila and sub fighting um, fear he-man and you know there is this blink or you'll miss it moment um a brilliant moment to me where tila is battling you know her doppelganger in in subternia fear tila mm-hmm. and in that Masterverse of the universe episode land of the dead i think and Wait, uh number, yeah, four. number four and during this moment uh fear tila like raises her blade to tila's face and just for a brief second a brief second you can see like the reflection The red eyes of Fear Tila's face reflect, you know, on the face of the blade and perfectly line up with real Tila's face. And you can miss it. But if you don't miss it, it's magnificent. And (laughs) and as a fan, um, it's these little touches that just makes me go bonkers for your work, because it feels like these beautiful touches didn't have to be there. But i so appreciate that they are you know? i'd say they had to be there that was our thought going into it there, there was no like
1: yeah screw it there's there's it was like no we want this to land we want this to be like a really impactful moment mm-hmm.
3: yeah it, it wasn't enough just to make like you know an updated you know hd remake you know of he-man we wanted to make it something unique and special uh and something cinematic you mm-hmm. know uh, it's bingeable you can gonna watch it like a movie but you know we we directed it like it was a movie yeah
1: Man, oh yes <laughs> a lot of a lot of times we, were, we would go through animatics and stuff and just pull that camera back adjust a shot and be like and just try to get that kind of like movie cinema feel out of everything
0: mm-hmm. oh and look talk about going the extra mile um and i'm i'm, I'm going to you know, we, we keep mentioning Star Trek, so I'll preface this with Star Trek, and you probably guys know where you're going. If I, I'm a Star Trek fan, but if I was a huge fan, I would learn Klingon, okay? <laughs> and, and Patrick. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm going to need some extra help uh, okay. after, after school with you uh, for, uh, <laughs> with what you created. But what many people might not know, um, unless you actually picked up the the art book, Mm-hmm. is um, Patrick created a, a full functional language uh, during Masters of the Universe revelation called Kudakesh. Okay, and... so that has
1: been announced. Like, we can say Kudukesh.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Someone said that. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, it was actually in the book. It was listed as Kudakesh. Cool, cool, cool. All right. And uh, it, it said it was an ancient language created by uh, Kudak Ungol to, like, unite old Eternia or something That like was that. always
1: my... I don't know if like that counts as official canon or not that was like my head canon for okay. it, like when i was working on it because we had that character uh kuduk in um in revelation
0: mm-hmm. yep. yeah and you know what it's um
1: yeah I have, I have the page here in the art book it's page 148. you can see it there like, there, there, you go. there it
0: is ah. <laughs> oh and, and i love it and it, can you you could write it but you could also speak it because you like you had Correct. consonants and you had vowels and you had some sample words um it's, it's uh, got so-
1: working syntax uh it's got adjectives verb adverbs determiners they all have a place that they land and it's got etymology <sighs> on a few words uh things like affirmation and negation uh have etymology it's, uh yeah it's got uh it's a phonetic script um, so yeah, it's got a whole, it works. It's a, yeah, it's a working language. It's not like just a code, mm. right? Like sometimes you'll have a code where it's like you have a script, but you just write English in the script or you're just like replace certain words with other words. But like the syntax is the same as English and all that. But yeah, this one like Klingon, uh, like Sindarin or Quenyan is going to be, uh, it, it actually has a functioning, uh, system.
0: But the the only thing is I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't use it like what you use. You know, I saw the phrases like it was the goat must die or something like that. And I was trying to teach myself and I just couldn't do it. (laughs) I don't know if you ever have some free time to either teach me and then I could teach the world. I'd make a video of it or uh, or just put it online to teach us all. I mean, uh, because. I don't know there's some some of us fans like really going deep
1: i mean deep. i'd be excited i'd like I it definitely i'd have to talk to a few people about that okay. um but yeah it's 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 really it was a really fun language to put together uh there's a lot of like there's like the the whole reason it looked like h's right the concept for that was that like he-man symbol is uh, it's kind of like superman symbol was like a yeah. little bit in my head so like that there's uh, something to go along with that um, where it's not like an H. It actually means something. Uh, figuring out like the names for certain things. Like I'll give you like a, a sneak peek on one of them, which is uh, the word dual con. So oh. dual con means of man make or rather con is a suffix that means of man make dual con means to make. It's like a verb. So to make is dual con, which obviously comes from Duncan mad at arms. Mm. And so like, there's a reason that like a lot of the words are double syllables and that they have uh Different, um, different origins, and like they went through the the phonology and like got tweaked a little bit. But like then you get that suffix con for of man make, and then "ko" coming from "orco" means of magic make. So something like blood would be of magic make, but something like you know uh, like a machine, like a car, would be of man make. So there's like you start getting into the whole affix system, and it gets really interesting. Wow. Yeah. So it's written in season one, and then. It was so awesome to hear actors uh, speak it, in uh, in rev- in revolution, um, that was really uh, we, exciting we to need, me. We need to, like you know.
0: Well, didn't they have like a Klingon dictionary? I think that mm-hmm. was published? This, uh, there is a
1: lexicon. I have a lexicon yeah. that I wrote for it, so I could give it to the uh, the actors.
0: Uh, uh, I just. I don't know if you could like get that out one way or another, that would be fantastic because I think a if lot there's
1: of a, if, the, if enough people are, are interested in it, like, I'd love to have that conversation. I,
0: I, I yeah, I, I think there would be. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, I could just see the future, you know, 10 years from now, you know, people <laughs> having conversations. People are going to like
1: show up to me at like, cons and, yeah. and, you know, and I'll be yes. like,
2: uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then it'd be like, look at this marvelous thing that you created, you know, and, um ah, uh, yeah. So hopefully you can make that happen because whew,
1: language creation is fun. More people should do it. It's a, it's a fun little pastime.
0: mm. mm. And you know, again, that lends to the extra mile. You guys just go, you know, and um, it's 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 there for the people who want to go that deep and, mm-hmm. and look for it, you know. And it it, it it isn't necessary learning, but um, it is. And you guys put some some I think of some names. I think it was in Subternia, right? It was like Ted Biaselli's name, in, yes, and Kudakesh, and yeah, so Easter I uh, uh,
1: they Ted. So there's. Teddy, Rob, and Kevin, or Kevin—I think it's Kevin—are all words in Kudakesh.
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Oh, and speaking of sticking people's names in there, <laughs> you guys—you guys are cartoon characters. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I mean, is that you know? I'm not familiar with, um, you know, my—I have a big problem that I don't spread myself out. <laughs> To to other brands than the hobbies I'm deeply entrenched mm-hmm. in, and maybe it's with because I have the 4 attorney website, podcasts all this stuff. I just don't have time, but I, I have not yet deeply explored into uh, Castlevania, which I want to because, um, and I know that was Powerhouse Animation's what first animated series. You know, there's some great mm-hmm. history to that. But so I guess long long way, long story short. Is this new for Masters of the Universe Revolution, putting employees in, you know, as as animation models? Or has that been going on in Castlevania as well? I mean, like, it's certainly a really fun thing to do. Uh, I mean, like all of these shows,
3: they require what we call uh, incidental designs, which are just Mm -hmm. basically background character designs. And the goal of these is just kind of to fill out a scene, you know, populate it, uh, but they're not really meant to, you know, draw attention or anything. Uh, but sometimes to add a little bit of extra variety, uh, the designers will decide to, instead of just drawing a generic person, they'll kind of find somebody to uh, model it after. You know, sometimes it's a, a friend, family member, coworker. worker uh, and at least in our case, it ended up with Kevin, Teddy, Rob, and I think <laughs> Pat and I both got.
1: We uh, got in there, designs. Brad, Shane are in there. There's a couple yep, of uh, incidentals that are based off of other people like Stage and I think Junha might be in there. And there's a couple of our like VizDev people. Mm-hmm. Um, the key with incidentals though, is that like, you know, you you don't want to overdo it with that because a lot of us have unique looks. <laughs> <laughs> and so like uh, you have to make sure that when you're filling a scene with incidentals that you communicate to your outsource partner, like, all right, use it here and then don't use it again. Cause if you're not careful you'll start finding yourself popping up everywhere and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, that's a problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I want to know, Are you call them incidentals? Um, Mm -hmm. Correct, yeah. Are the paternian heroes, on the animation model sheet, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're called paternian heroes. Were they incidentals? uh, I mean, about the
1: power- in, in Paternia—that's right. The the, the the other people around the fireplace, yeah, or the, yeah the, the, the bonfire the,
0: were any of them like powerhouse employees or?
3: Uh, none of that bunch, um, okay. because all the powerhouse people are still alive. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, you know, everyone in Paternia was meant to be, you know, kind of like you know a champion. They needed to be ripped. Uh, and Nobody <laughs> a powerhouse just yet.
1: <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe we could have used Jose.
3: Although, if animation burned calories, we'd have a lot of He-Man. <laughs> <up in
2: that.
0: laughs> well, there's got to be something to always be sitting at a desk. I, well, yeah, I got to imagine, you know, you guys must encourage, like, like you said, taking breaks, right? Playing video games, oh, yeah. getting up, doing mm-hmm. some exercise, stretching the yeah, legs. Yeah
1: that's maybe like yeah take a break and then everyone's like i'm gonna take a break from sitting down looking at a screen to go sit down on a comfier chair and look at a bigger screen
2: Like, all right
0: uh, yeah yeah well you know as my mom would always say when i leave the door make smart choices but we don't always make smart choices you know but um uh, you know, you guys were talking real quick about that, the, the the flashing of, you know, or no, Patrick, you were talking about like your favorite battle was the Hordak battle because it kept flashing flashbacks, right, to, mm-hmm. um, to Keldor um, when he's being trained by Hordak. But I, I, I got to ask real quick, and um, I was just wondering where this moment came from, and I, I'm betting it was in the script, but perhaps you can confirm it for me because it was a brief moment in Episode 3, uh, Dogs of War, uh, in Masters of the Universe Revolution, where Skeletor is about to kill Hordak, you know, run him through with that technological, magical, transformative blade. And, you know, Hordak says, you know, I, I should have left you to die on that filthy island, Keldor. And, and when he says that, you see the face of Keldor's father, King Nero. And when skeltor responds, my name is Skeletor, you know, we see Keldor and young Keldor flicker in and out of his face. And that moment was so brilliant. It was so Shakespearean, you know. So do you recall where that came from? Was that in the script? Was that someone powerhouse suggesting it? I don't know. It was brilliant. Whoever did that. Uh, I mean, like we really wanted
3: to have this kind of visual motif to kind of show like Skeletor's, you know, fractured mental state, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because from the second he gets that initial injury from motherboard, you know, that's when he starts seeing Keldor. That's what opened up, you know, those neural pathways again. Uh, And he's kind of going through his own little identity crisis in that episode until he finally, you know, like culminates and reasserts who he is, you know, at his core, you know, he's not Keldor, he's Skeletor. Um, and so leading up to that moment, we just wanted to get the, you know, Keldor hallucinations. They start popping up more and more often. They start, you know, he has that semi fugue state where he Keldor kind of warps him over to Gray Skull. Yeah. Um uh, And right before, you know, he reaches that culmination, you know, he's just kind of experiencing all the traumas that have led him to this moment, you know, Miro sending him away, you know, Hordak betraying him. Like it just uh, felt necessary to let the energy of that moment really match the, you know, the story importance of what's happening to his character.
0: Mm -hmm. It was so so brilliant too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Quick question about Keldor. Um, During the production of Masters of the Universe Revelation, um, did you gentlemen have an inkling at all that Skeldor, you know, he said in one of those episodes, you know, that he was an interdimensional demon in Masters of the Universe Revelation. Um, Did you ever get an inkling that he was Keldor from that point, you know, back in... I guess when were you working on that twenty twenty, twenty nineteen? Meaning, did you did you know that it was in the cards the whole time, that Skeldor would have this Keldor origin? If you were lucky enough to continue the story,
1: I think that uh, uh, th- those type of decisions <laughs> are a little <laughs> bit above uh, me and okay. Akon's pay grade. So. Uh,
3: yeah like uh Rob Kevin and Teddy were all a little bit coy about uh Skeletor's origins when we asked but like we did ask about Keldor and we did know how important Keldor is to the fandom uh but we did not know for sure whether he would be showing
0: up until we got those scripts for Revolution (laughs) you know there was I uh I was never a fan I mean, I and never hated Keldor, and I, I I have nothing but love for the fans that love Keldor. But you know, you had people raised on two different shows. You know, the <laughs> Filmation show. There was uh, just a demon um, from the dimension Infintia, I believe, and um, the actual mini comic that gave you that possible Keldor origin because it was never conclusive came mm-hmm. out after that 1983 to 1985 filmation series and so that was later explored in that 2002 series so you had like the Hatfields and McCoys you know you had two people <laughs> in different camps you know some people love their Skeletor as a demon and um, and loved the otherworldly feel to it that he was coming to this dimension because he knew this is where the power was and then you have the people who love the whole family dynamic you know mm-hmm. And they never really got along. But I think this this series really successfully blended and merged the two origins successfully so well. And um, You
1: just had to have uh, Skeletor's character be played by uh, Luke Skywalker and Captain <laughs> Kirk. That's all you had to do. <laughs> I guess
0: so. I guess, well, I love the fact that he wasn't, you know, in, in the original, he wasn't lying, right? So he mm-hmm. was really convinced he was a demon. So it plays both origins very well, that mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, um, it, what's the word? And uh, it doesn't dismiss either origin, you know, it's, it respects them, I guess. And uh, it was really a nice, a nice blending. And I thought, oh, you guys really, And I know, hats off to the writers on that one that you guys really did a nice merging of the two, and I was just really pleased with that. So. Yeah,
3: like I, I know that was a definitely a priority for the writers, and it was a, a priority for us, you know, just as directors, just making sure that we could marry those two uh, backstories into our season. Uh, but it was a tightrope.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, something we had to keep an eye on the whole production for sure. sure. Make sure that, that we were delivering <laughs> on that.
0: So when you guys got the green light green light for uh, Masters of the Universe uh, Revolution, you know, you got the green light to do it again, which the cat almost came out of the bag with uh, Mark Hamill. <laughs> I remember <laughs> you, you guys remember that Mark Hamill, I think, went to Twitter, I think it was still Twitter at the time. It's like, like I'm filming Skeletor and no one had announced Masters of the Universe. Oh. Revolution <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. But I mean, um, yeah. Well, it's 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 Luke Skywalker. How do you get angry? <laughs> <Or> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spilling the beans, but um, this time out in regards to your approach, did you guys have any different approach? You know, any changes the whole creative team set out to make or improve or learn from the last time? You know, um, I mean, as I mentioned before, you know,
3: it, making a second season of any show is going to be a little bit easier, um, and you know, we didn't have to redesign. You know, we we knew what He Man looked like at the beginning of our show, so. Now that that's out of the way, we could really focus on uh, more of the the fun parts of production, you know, figuring out um, how all of these moving story pieces are going to throw together. But I remember we had a pretty early meeting uh, d- during like the first week with all of our supervisors where we just did like, you know, a bunch of story arch, where we kind of just taking moments and beats from the script, from the outline, and just kind of like, getting first ideas out, you know, what are the core, you know, essential linchpin moments of the series and how can we make those be as sensational you know, as possible? Um, and I know like for me, at least one of the ones that uh, we knew we wanted to go big on was the episode five transformation uh, between oh. He-Man and Tila.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think it might've been Abby who did the initial kind of thumbnail for, you know, like, their transformation, which is, you know, not only, you know, solving the the story problems they're going through right now, but also the culmination of this 40-year, you know, love history that's been teased. Mm. Uh, and I would say, like, from start to finish, like, that Henshin shot, uh, that, you know, Sailor Moon-esque transformation, you know, we planned that pretty early on. We knew that's what we wanted to go big on. Uh, but from start to finish, I think that was probably the longest shot you know just from like conception to execution
1: yeah we Uh, got animation started on that like so ahead of time mm -hmm. uh, compared to like the other stuff
3: Yeah, it was was very early it went through multiple different hands at various stages of production uh dominic farrow uh was a very heavy lifter of the animation for that one uh alongside a, a team of uh, cleanup artists in betweeners <laughs> admin people doing the exports so it could all be composited you know there's a lot of moving parts in just that one shot but uh it sure does look great oh, it does
0: and that's one of those things you put on your promotional reels is it a show reel i don't i don't know <laughs> uh, definitely definitely uh-huh. So I know we're getting close to wrap it up. What's one of the things the Easter eggs, I wanted to uh, regarding Easter eggs. Um, I couldn't help but notice uh, Quildor's 1959 pink Cadillac. Oh, yes. Good eye. Yeah. Outside his home, which is an amazing nod to the 1987 uh, Masters of the Universe film, um, which continues a great string of Easter eggs uh, between Revel- Revelation and Revolution and that 87 movie. But um, not just those Easter eggs, but how does like those, those Easter eggs work? Is it just handled by you and powerhouse? Is it a team effort? Like we want to get this in and that in them I and how does that come? I out? mean,
3: it's definitely like a, a team effort, you know, like, you know, we're all big He-Man fans like at this point, And so we're always looking for opportunities to work in, you know, side props and character cameos and appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the three towers, uh, Teddy Kevin and Rob, like they were uh, Teddy especially sent me so many references, artifacts, Easter eggs, like, oh, this could be in there. like that could be in there. Um, but also just, you know, our supervisors are so incredible and dedicated and talented that you know, they did a lot of independent research, it's like, oh, could we get this thing from this episode in there? And it's like it was a team effort for sure. Um, and we with a franchise as storied as this one, you know 40 years uh worth of material to go after uh, there's no shortage of easter eggs for us to um, insert as needed
0: oh, It was so fun and you know eventually i sit down i did that with revelation and started like you know sat close to the screen and then all right <laughs> let me see if i could find i haven't yeah. done that yet with revolution i did, did you find have a the
1: favorite easter egg from revelation
0: i think it's another um it's it's another an uh, 87 movie easter egg and that's when let me see, it was the uh, episode two when um the Tila uh, tracker Tila well oh. Tila, but Tila's wearing that Road Ripper mask, which is oh, so yeah, funny, yeah. yeah from that vehicle, and then she, yeah, she's using the tracker that Man at Arms used in that <laughs> uh in the 87 film, and you know there's a close-up of that tracker, but really seriously, even people have seen that movie. How many people really know what that looked like and How many people, I mean, again, this is like deep in the weeds. This is for, this is like treasures for fans that really go deep in the weeds and really go look for it. You know, probably the majority don't even notice, Mm -hmm. but I love that you put that stuff there for the ones that, you know, really enjoy that. Like, oh, I know what that is, you know? (laughs) And I think that was my, I couldn't believe to see that. I didn't
1: notice the Road Ripper mask. That was. I I, I wasn't sure if people were going to get that one.
0: Yeah, that was that was so cool, and it was such a good looking look on her, you know. I was wondering if we were going to get Stinkor back, um, but we did. You know, the, um, the uh, speaking of Stinkor, this is not really real quick. Do you guys have any finished deleted scenes? I know you had um, <laughs> uh, what's her name, Aina? Uh, Ailina. Ailina. Uh, oh yeah, Elena. Uh, yeah from um you know tila's friend we knew uh kevin smith's daughter uh, voiced the parts kevin smith talked all about it and then i believe uh and we've seen the, the animation model sheets for her so but i i always assume this is always cut before it's finished do you actually have that rare scene that was actually finished and then cut you know uh, uh well animation's a pretty you know efficient
3: medium you know yeah. we try to only do the things that are going to wind up in the final product just because so many man hours go into even simple and easy shots uh and so it's very very rare that a scene will get so far along and then later just decide to be axed completely um so we have like small subtle permutations that you know scripts have gone through where you know it it was written they were Standing on this side of the room, but then we moved it to the other side of the room because it has the window, and they need to look out. It small blocking things like that happen fairly regularly, but you know the core scripts, uh, especially in Revolution, with it being as you know tight and you know action filled and movie like, uh, there wasn't a lot of a lot of fat to trim.
0: <laughs>
3: so pretty much everything made it
0: to the the screen. That's what I figured. Yeah. Do you know? I'm hoping. I'm. Ho- I actually heard, all right, you you guys can absolutely be quiet on this because I'm not sure what you can talk (laughs) about and I don't want to get you in trouble, but I, I heard through the grapevine that another art book, art book was being worked on it. So can you guys, and I don't want to get you in trouble, so I don't know. Can you confirm, deny, or say you would be involved or no
1: if that's in discussion that's again like something that like me and akon it's far above our pay grade <laughs> okay. okay, we don't make those kind of decisions it'd be cool if i could though yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and um let me see um, and i don't mean to put you guys on the spot but i'm gonna put you on the spot you guys have <laughs> you have two children now you have masters of the universe Revelation. And you have masters of the universe revolution. And I know I'm not supposed to ask, which is your favorite child, but now that they're, (laughs) they are both born and they're both grown up, you know, do you guys have a personal, it doesn't mean you don't love them both because I love Mm -hmm. them both, you know, but do you guys have a personal favorite, you know, each of you?
3: Oh, I mean, it it is really hard to choose. Um, There are definitely like, specific moments throughout both seasons that i'm just really really happy with that yeah you know, it's, I, I it's hard to beat really. the
1: transformation sequence and mm-hmm. revolution but at the same time like i love the evil lynn arc in revelation mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. especially with like that giant phoenix at the end yeah that's the, the, so good the, the it's
3: magic line oh, uh,
2: yeah,
3: uh, yeah. I, think, I think that was composited by steven sworsky another fantastic artist that we were privileged, privileged to work with uh just made these gorgeous you know visual effects and and color work for it uh so that one really stands out to me um i'm also a big fan of when orko confronts scareglow uh (laughs) in the first season yeah uh, um that whole scene gave me goosebumps um but i mean like there's there's also so much goodness in the second season like, you know, yeah. I, I really love how we ramped up the Saturday morningness, you know, of those things. I, I, I love the flashing H uh, in the second episode of Revolution, where we're kind of cutting between He-Man jumping off the balcony, calling down the power midair. Also, then, such like, good, like, H character interactions. Like, yeah. like,
1: the character interactions in Revelation are great, because you have, you have Orko and Gwildor get to have, like, a lot of moments together. You have, of course, uh, Keldor, Skeletor, like it's there's but at the same time you also have like i love orko and lynn and revelation mm-hmm. so yeah it's it, it is really hard because i don't think you can kind of have one without the other yeah. right like like revelation really does kind of inform revolution like revolution you can watch on your own but like it's it's another thing to watch revelation and then go into revolution because it sets up so much uh in terms of like character relationships and things like that
0: I kind of equated it to, and I don't know if this is the best example, but like Alien and then Aliens. If you've ever seen that movie, mm-hmm. you know they're both they're both like two different. You come come away with two different vibes, but they, you know, but they're both so good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't have Aliens without Alien. You could watch it without it, but um, they both exist. And uh, yeah, you know. that's a
1: good that's a good analogy.
0: Mm. All right, so then then if you can't pick favorites you have a favorite um hmm. I, you know I, I can't all right i'll tell you what all right i'll tell you what then we'll, we'll turn the question did you ever uh <laughs> get tired of confusing revelation and revolution? you ever go to like the teddy <laughs> and go guys <laughs> <laughs> you know because i find myself like you know, it's just in conversation, like twisting those all the time. I'm like, wait, you're talking about Revelation? No, I'm talking about Revolution, but, you know, you, you don't catch yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Smith came out publicly, um, the San Diego Comic-Con, and said everyone's going to be able to figure out what the third, if they're able to do a third one, that the third one is called. You know, where so people immediately started going into the names like uh, Redemption, you know, anything with an R.E. in it, you uh-huh. know. Or or retribution or what have you. Actually, redemption is very fitting it's with like uh, the
1: Matrix trilogy all of a sudden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very fitting with um Despar Shira. So mm-hmm. that's that's you know, as we finish this out, um what a <laughs> what a uh <laughs> what a what a, it's not a post-credit, it's a pre-credit teaser, right? Yeah, um, I think so. We'll, we'll Coda at the end. <laughs> yeah, the spar is showing and um and I, at the end, when you saw, I guess that, that was Hordak um, being repaired, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, it looked mm-hmm. like they were analyzing He-Man's armor, it looked like. There were these, like, techno te- te- uh, little pinpoints to, I guess, trying to determine what this new, you know, merging yes. of magic yeah. and technology. Exactly. Uh Well,
3: I mean, like me personally, I will settle for the third season being called Masters of the Universe renewed. Uh, (laughs) I just want another season. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, like I am also very curious to see who's under that mask.
0: Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, all the fans are very familiar with the whole landscape and the rights issues and stuff like that. So we really hope, one, that it not only happens, but two, uh, they can make everything work out contractually, where um, you know it could be, you know, He Man's twin sister, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. But uh, we, you know, we we definitely want a third installment. And I know you can't speak of what you know, what you don't know, what the chances are of a third one might be. But if it does happen, do you both want to come back to Eternia one more time and direct? The oh, no, yeah.
3: if, if, if the fans will have
0: me, I will eagerly be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the fans love you now, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I loved you since the beginning, but, um, you know, there was that. And I got nothing but love for everyone, by the way, you know, and some people didn't, you know, I understand don't like everything, but it looks like everyone's on board now and everyone wants that third season. So hopefully it just shows up ratings wise you know netflix hopefully netflix sees it worthy to to continue one more time you know to get the band together one more time so if
1: you're if you're watching it on netflix make sure to give it those two thumbs up yeah um that's always appreciated
0: yep and help the industry you know if you guys like animation you know, just support be about it. Be
1: very
3: vocal about how much you love animation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and watch the shows and give them two thumbs up. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff from Powerhouse. You guys did that King Kong one, right? That's the right. Yeah.
3: Skull Island. Skull Island. And, uh, yeah. Directed by Willis Bulliner, who uh, we also worked with on Seis Manos. He directed that as well. Hmm. Fantastic director. You should all go check him out.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, oh, and I'm such a fan. Uh, You guys are doing uh, Laura Croft. Yes, Uh, we are. are. Uh, I can't wait to see that, too. So, yeah, there's a a lot of good content. And I really, you know, um, most people don't go have a a Master's of the Universe website that's occupying all their time with forums and podcasts and videos and news stories. So they have the free time. So don't be like me and miss these shows. Use your free time. Watch these shows. Support these shows. And, of course, keep watching. Masters of the Universe Revolution, I think it counts. I think re-watching it and re-watching it again, it just it just helps, you know. I mean, there's no guarantees, but um, you know, it's the best way to do your part, you know, <laughs> to bring to bring um Akon and Patrick back one more time. Just have it playing on repeat in the background.
2: <laughs>
3: Every time you leave the house, you need something for your pets to watch. Pets love <laughs> Moto.
0: <laughs> i wonder how the algorithm would react to that like <laughs> you know this person's uh, idea how, really can't hurt. <laughs> yeah you're right it can't hurt so all right so i think i ran long but i think we ran the gamut my friends now do you either um either one of you have anything else you'd like to touch upon or add or you know something perhaps we haven't addressed yet uh, i mean there's it?
1: so much in that we could talk about like we we didn't even talk about Granomir. Oh <laughs> <man>. <laughs> like yeah.
0: you know I was I, trying to grade
1: John Delancey as as a huge dragon and we were able to give him his helmet and everything and have him fight a giant techno titan in the sky.
0: Can you guys see my Granomir up here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, you've got the classic toy. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm a huge fan of Granomir. Uh, John Irwin was horns. <laughs> John Irwin was the voice of Granomir. And um, who played the, you know, He-Man in the original Formation series. And mm-hmm. I had no idea that he could just contort his voice that way. Couldn't even recognize him. And um, yeah, no, he was, and seeing Granamere, yeah, it was fantastic. And having John, you had the whole Star Trek crew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, um, you had... If we uh, get Jonathan uh, Frakes uh, uh, as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, um, yeah, Dr. Beverly Crusher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was do you know and if you can't say you can't say was there a scheduling conflict with our our original marlena at all and
1: uh Uh, silverstone yeah i have no idea
0: okay uh okay all all above our pay grade (laughs) (laughs) so same thing i guess with tila so you know because uh, i actually like both performances but uh, i did like yeah i mean like i i I can't pick a favorite like you know me, like me neither
3: Sarah michelle geller was incredible like melissa was amazing brought so much like heart to like the vocal performance which you know we really needed you know this season uh just for her
0: storyline uh but i mean they're both amazing
2: mm-hmm.
0: mm, yeah and you know and i don't know about you guys but i was a big fan of batman the animated series and when i first listened to mark hamill um in masters of universe revelation there people points certain times that i just like hear the joker Mm -hmm. but now i don't know if that's just sort of faded away but in revolution i didn't even hear the joker at all this is skeletor you know and
1: kind of like tallulah quality every now and then yeah yeah yeah. is really great
0: and he's just so brilliant and um mm.
1: he's fantastic to work with. i mean they're all again fantastic workers but like i just remember the first time seeing mark hamill come into the booth and for someone of his like stature, you know, like of his his notoriety, yeah. um, to come into the booth and be so like just work a good great work ethic, just down to earth, just like what do you guys need for this moment? Um, was I don't know, just really good. It it it, it, it showed to me that like voice acting really is like a passion for him, mm-hmm. and like as a fellow craftsman, I really appreciate it when when someone comes in and, and treats it to uh, with that much um, respect.
0: And and Lena, oh my god! Oh my
1: god, yeah, <laughs> she's so fun to work with.
0: <laughs> Does she not also elevate the material? Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's. could have act- asked
1: for a better Evelyn. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's some actresses that could have done a fine job, right? And we would been very happy with her. But Lena, you know, it's kind of like Bear's score, right? Mm-hmm. It just it, it it lifts already good material that much higher. Because Mm -hmm. Lena is doing the voice. And I feel, especially as a Masters of the Universe fan, but I'm sure you as creators, to have her doing that just uh it just it just raises it a notch. You know, she brings Mm -hmm. this gravitas that that not many other actresses can bring. And um and she does humor. It's great. It's great. She's like
1: I just I can't I can't like rave about the voice talent enough. I mean you you've got you've got Mark Hamill right. You got the Joker, Luke Skywalker like like rounding out uh, 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 with Skeletor. You've got like William Shatner who yeah. like brings this Shakespearean quality to Keldor. You've got like uh, uh, you've got like the, the perfect evil um, in in mm. Lena Headey. You've got like uh, Liam Cunningham as like a, a wonderful man at arms Orko <sighs> whose like voice isn't even pitched. He's so, like, amazing as Oracle yeah, and brings Griffin's this kind so of, like... Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, this, like, little kid brother energy to, like, this character. Made people, like, really fall in love with him. You've got Steven Root, who brings so much heart to Cringer, and then also is able to pivot and be Battlecat um with that confidence in his voice. Like, it's... And, like, even, like, Ranamere, like, having um, uh, John DeLancey uh being kind of uh, a dismissive of Tila and like uh, uh dripping with that um disdain in his voice while also making it kind of fun and rhythmic uh was fantastic like yeah the voice cast like through and through uh couldn't have asked for uh, a, a better cast of characters it's amazing
0: i just <laughs> wish we could have had a big i know it would have been expensive but a big comic-con moment where you have the whole voice <laughs> cast on stage <laughs> You, you guys know, like, what they did with the Avengers, right? I think in yeah, the, yeah. You know, Comic-Cons, they had the whole star-studded cast. And I'm sure it would have been so expensive. <laughs> and you guys are trying to keep costs down to a minimum already, you know? and Or, or, or Netflix is, because I guess that would be Netflix flying everybody out there. But mm-hmm. um, but still, just to see them all together. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is a dream just to have these, because, it, you know, it's it's... There's an explanation that sometimes comes with um, being a Masters of the Universe fan, you know, because as as Patrick, you were talking about the book and how much lore in there. A lot of people just think He-Man, Skeletor, toys, and and there's not a lot of depth. But if you watch, if if then you show them Masters of the Universe Revelation, especially the first one. You know, there is so much human drama and death, especially in those later episodes with the the character arc that Evelyn endures. That is just so, and and the gravitas that um, Lena Headey brings it's just so adult, so compelling. You know, like it's just like the death of God scene, and um, you know, and
1: it's it's a wonderful like character who's kind of like like Evelyn's whole thing. Like even though she's got evil in her in her name, it's just kind of like is she fully evil now is she not she's kind of like going back and forth between these um but i really do love that like in revolution that like for skeletor it's like him actualizing himself and like realizing who he is it's like no he's like he's skeletor that's his arc it's, it's like no i am an evil son of a bitch and you will deal with me
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm hoping we get a figure now that says uh goodland you know, <laughs> oh yeah, as Grandemir calls her Goodlin. You know, um, and and Griffin Newman did say he didn't reveal which figures, and I'm happy he didn't. Um, he was able to go to Mattel and see the the upcoming he only collects, you know, Revelation, Revolution figures. Mm-hmm. And he got to see the upcoming figures and he was like, those are magnificent. You know, <laughs> and obviously he couldn't reveal what but, you know, I'm hoping we get like the sorceress and um, I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this new version of He-Man and Hordak, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, oh, and Keith David. woof Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. We did. Keith, David. Keith David. Jeez. Like, like <laughs> I grew one of my, on Gargoyle, my favorite so. toys like, growing
3: up was like this uh, gargoyle's Goliath degree ah. that had like foldable, you know, action wings. Mm. Uh, and then just to be in a booth with Keith David, you know, reading Hordax line and just nails it with every take. Uh, it, it was an out of body experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you had him do the snort. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which you know i i gotta imagine i can't I, I could see i don't know if this is true but keith would be like you want me to snort
2: <laughs> you know
1: we do have fun moments like those in the booth that are really fun where it's like i'm talking to this like amazing triple a actor and i'm like all right give us like three snorts <laughs> <laughs>
0: Please don't hate me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's like that with the uh, with William Shatner, right? Like we got to tell William Shatner to give us a nyah, uh, oh, a nya. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you well, um, you guys saw that great story where Kevin Smith was talking about um uh, trying to direct. Maybe you guys saw it, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, Kevin Smith was saying like, yeah, he was uh, trying to direct. Uh, William Shatner and William Shatner is like Kevin. <laughs> I got this, you know. I mean,
1: proofs in the pudding. Like you, you listen to his delivery uh, in the show, and it's, it's, it's. You can't not listen to it. Like it just grabs you.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. Like I was, I was very curious to see, you know, how the character of Keldor was going to come together with Shatner's voice, but I feel like I never truly understood who, Car- who who keldor was until shatner gave those lines and just it all clicked into place perfectly we're like mm-hmm. this is such a great take on keldor uh, he brings such a charisma <laughs> for, for lack of a better word to the performance uh
0: it's great <laughs> yeah. you know ted bslli mentioned that um the way william shatner would work is he would read the entire script <laughs> so and you guys have a recording of him like this reading everyone's lines, you know, <laughs> not not just Keldor, but Evelyn and everybody. And uh, I'm like, I need that. I need that, like you know, the old uh books You need on- the, the, the Shatner cut for <laughs> just need- like <laughs> <laughs> Or just, you know, an audio. uh, I'm saying audio CD like they make CDs anymore. But, um, you know. If if
3: they ever do a physical release with like a director commentary, we can also have like a William Shatner audio track where it's just him giving the whole performance.
0: You know, people would eat that up. (laughs) And I would love something like that. But unfortunately, it seems like, you know, physical media, they just don't. They don't. If they do release it, you don't get all the bells and whistles anymore. Like, you know, there was that. There was that 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 sweet sweet spot. Maybe it was early nineties, was it where they were making like special edition upon special edition late? 90s. Those,
1: those huge Blu-rays, yeah. Yeah.
0: Where there would be steel books and tons of commentaries and five new documentaries, and they just don't seem to to, to, to see there's a demand in that and spend the money on that anymore.
1: You know, I bet you there's still a demand for it. I mean, you're <laughs> demanding it. I'm <Yeah>, <laughs>
0: demanding it. You know, <laughs> but I don't know. For some reason, there at least there's no. It looks like studios aren't spending the money on that. Even with the Marvel stuff, where you figured you know there would be much, um, a lot the, the the releases, the Blu-ray releases, the 4K started um, becoming more bare boned Mm-hmm. than the initial ones in the MCU, so I, I'm not sure what happened, but um, it's a shame, really, because the behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, this is this is the, the the gravy, right? We all love that, you know. I mean, you you guys must love that on different content. You love, you know, to find out. Oh the yeah, work the MCU, you know. Yeah of how something is made in, on, and on and
1: got a lot of us into working in this industry was yeah behind the scenes stuff like you know as a kid having those star wars concept art books and watching the behind the scenes footage of like how they made those things it's it's interesting it makes you want to play in that world because you see what you get to do and and how fun it can be
0: yeah yeah well they just um announced uh a new masters of the universe 1987 blu-ray and it's got oh uh, what did they say? It's, I don't want to be wrong. Somewhere <laughs> between 45 minutes and three hours of new, never be before seen, like documentaries. So I'm excited about this, that they, you know, it's like the shout factory. I don't know if you guys are familiar with shout factory. They put out special editions of, yeah. of older films and all these new documentaries and found footage and stuff. And, and there's one coming from, not by shout factory, but there's one coming from masters of the universe, the 1987 film. So I was like boop, pre-order. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually sent that to Ted and I was like, look, look, because I know he's a big fan order this. And, um, and some other people, and uh, oh, so I'm so excited. So, but uh, I don't know anything else you guys want to add. I know I'm running really late. That's why I, gotta, <laughs> I, I said uh, 90 minutes. I think so. We're already two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so, do you guys have anything else you want to address before we uh, sign off at all? No, I mean I think
3: that uh, that pretty well covers it for at least this uh, this first batch. All right. Uh, everyone hit those double likes on netflix uh let's get that masters of the universe renewed <laughs> title. Yeah. let's figure out what the better title is going to be
0: and and, and i'm serious about that um kudakesh patrick so whatever you can do teach us man. <laughs> we'll sign up we'll pay a fee i can get 30 guys to this learn, learn kudakesh i yeah I, uh yeah.
1: I'd, I'd be very interested in uh uh, talking, talking more Kuda cash.
0: <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, maybe we can make that happen at some point. So great. So uh, it's been such an honor um, to have you both on today. Thanks. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, been a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah. And thanks to you. And, and, and I like how you mentioned this. Anytime you could, the rest of your creative team. Um, you know, our fandom has been graced with something truly special t- twice <laughs> that uh, I'm so personally thankful for. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, um, thank you both for pouring your your heart and your soul into these, you know, two animated series. It shows and, we're, you know, the fandom is extremely grateful. So appreciate that
1: thanks it's been a real honor you
3: know working on this show like this it means so much to so many people it was such a formative impact on a lot of you know their childhoods uh and that's something that is you know worth nurturing and worth respecting uh and so we just want to bring the best possible show to the fans that we can well said
0: all right gentlemen uh that's a wrap all uh (laughs) we want to thank uh akon and patrick for being on today uh thank you both you you've both been a uh, absolute delight and thanks to you all out there for listening to this podcast now if you enjoyed the show please show your support by subscribing to our streams and our channel and please give us a like and a comment below where able and you can always drop us a line too by sending us an email at forturnia at gmail.com we really do love the feedback and as always, visit us at for for all the latest updates and news, as well as links to our social media pages like X, Facebook and Instagram that can help you stay up to date with all our Masters of the Universe content. So that's it. We'd like to thank you all for listening and let the power return. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.